Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Andrew Schultz. He's an actor, comedian, and a podcaster. The world seems to be losing its mind. No one is sure what the rules for acceptable conduct are anymore. From virtue signaling to moral grandstanding, the incentives to take down others are stronger than ever. So why are some people immune to these laws of cancellation? And is it a solution that the rest of us can steal for ourselves? Expect to learn whether Elon Musk is a hero or a villain, whether True Geordie's cancellation was appropriate, why Schultz thinks that a marriage with a prenup is not a real marriage, how come people don't sleep with their sisters, why the word uncircumcised is totally pointless, why the body positivity movement might just be girls reducing their competition from the dating market, what Schultz learned from Mr. Beast, and much more. This was very fun. The 36 hours that I got to spend in New York with Video Guy Dean flying over from the UK was pretty hilarious. Uh, and Liver King was in Schultz's studio 30 minutes before I got there. So I had to Febreze the couch before I was prepared to sit down. But I very much appreciate Andrew. I, I like the fact that he's able to move from interesting intellectual insight uh, across into ridiculous silliness uh, pretty seamlessly. And uh yeah, I very much hope that you enjoy today. Also, don't forget that you might be listening but not subscribed, and that means that you're going to miss episodes when they go up. The next month has got some of the biggest guests that I've ever had on Modern Wisdom coming on. And if you want to support the show, the best thing that you can do is continue to listen. So go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and press the subscribe button. It will ensure you don't miss episodes. It supports the show, and it makes me very happy indeed. I thank you. But now... Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew Schultz. Andrew Schultz, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's happening, man? Chilling, man. Very good. I just missed you. In the UK, when you were over there, what do you make yeah, of it? Uh, I liked it. I actually had a good, yeah, I had a good time over there. It was cool. We got to, you know, do some cool interviews and uh, actually got to hang out in London. I haven't really hung out in London before. I didn't like do the whole pub thing. Mm-hmm. I like the pub thing. Do you not think you have an equivalent over here? It's different. It's different. Like pub for pub's sake is not. We need another excuse. I think that's why we have like sports almost every night of the week. So it's like we can go to the bar to watch a sport. Not just for a hang. Yeah. Like, just going to drink feels wrong here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know mean. I'm going to the bar to drink. Like, just that? Yeah. Yeah. To meet anybody? Maybe. England. But mostly drink. Yeah. Doesn't that feel... I don't know, man. It's part and parcel of the, the British culture, right? This is one of the problems they have with shutting down of pubs, that they're saying it's disconnecting people from each other. Yeah. People are becoming more isolated. Yeah. So, you spent a good bit of time with True Geordie, Brian. Love while you were Brian. There. Free Brian. What well, dude, I want to talk yeah. about that because I think he's converting to Islam. Did you know that? <laughs> Did you get this is breaking news. Brian is actually converting to Pete Islam. Pete Davidson is now Jewish. Yep. And Brian True Geordie is converted to Islam. Brian is converting to Islam. Yeah. He yeah. had to give up the foreskin. Did you know that? No. He's it's a heavy price to pay. I imagine he's got a massive foreskin. I don't know foreskin. how heavy, buddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Brian, do you think Brian's got a big big, big foreskin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it's no, all foreskin. Yeah, it's just ninety percent foreskin. It's like a sock. It's like a sock with a tennis ball in it. <laughs> Shout out to Brian, man. Yeah. So I I thought it was very interesting because you guys do these sort of intros to the beginning of your pods where it's like a a, a rant, like a, a bit, yeah, for maybe a minute or two minutes. 
and you guys have said some during those that I, I can't believe gets put on the internet. What was interesting about watching Brian is he said something that could have been a bit taken straight out of one of your intros, yeah. right? And he got smashed for it. Gymshark dropped him, Pokestars dropped him, got yeah. banned for a while on Twitch. Yeah. Is there like a special button that people need to be able to press that lights up and says, I'm doing a comedy bit because he's not a comedian, yeah. but he dips in and out of comedy. Yeah. And because of that, it's like he gets judged by the same criteria that a normal creator does, yeah. but tries to do the stuff that comedians do. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like people that cross both thresholds, they're kind of, they're in a bit of a, a tough bind because they're going to be looked at and it's like, well, that wasn't a joke. That was actually his true fucking whatever coming out. Yeah. It almost benefits every podcaster to do stand up once so that you can say you're a comedian. <laughs> so you you've got the mean? comedian like, card? Yeah, just do it one time and then say you're a comedian and then just say more or less whatever you want. Because like comics were like, eh, how do I say it? It's not like, it's like if you see somebody dressed in like a provocative manner, right? And they're your school teacher, you're like, what the fuck? But if you saw like a stripper dressed in that way, you'd be like, oh, she's really conservative when she's not stripping, right? So I think that's what it's like being a comedian where it's like, you expect me to say even crazier shit. So if I made the joke that he made, nobody would give a fuck. Mm. But I think with a lot, with Brian, I think you expect him to be very serious. Like he's serious about a lot of shit, even though he's fucking hilarious. Like he was hilarious on our part. I don't know if you saw our yeah, episode, but that right. motherfucker's funny. So yeah, it's a shame, man. It's a shame. Uh, yeah, I wonder how do you create that kind of protection? I always, you know, I, my thing is I'm going to ride for the jokes. My loyalty is to the jokes. I know he was making a joke. There was clear misdirect. He was playing off of stereotypes that we all know exist. And um, yeah, I thought it was funny. I don't know if he has like a hatred in his heart for for Muslims. I think he has a hatred in his heart for Andrew Tate. Do you know what I'm saying? But like if Andrew Tate converted to Judaism, then he would have a joke that was about Jews, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like he'd open it with like my dark twisted fantasy or whatever. Like he would have something busting balls. So it's not about the religion. It's just about punishing this guy that he doesn't like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say. So, yeah, I defend him. But I also understand these brands. They're looking out for themselves, right? They don't really care about him. They care about his audience. And then once he becomes too radioactive for them to make money, why are they going to keep giving him money? Now, he's got to remember that next time he does business with a brand because if they come back later and he continues to have the biggest show and blows the fuck up, and let's say he becomes, you know, the the Rogan. I guess maybe he's already the Rogan of the UK. But let's say he is the biggest fucking platform. Then Gymshark could come back and be like, hey, we'd really like sponsorship. And he go fuck yourself. You left me when I was in a dark time, so now I'm not going to continue to promote your brand. So that's what I would do with them. I would just keep on getting bigger and then remind every one of those companies they ain't shit. Well, that was the interesting insight I learned from you, that a lot of people believe there is this grand conspiracy. Everybody is unified together in this way to try and take people down. What you said, it's, it's individuals, it's individual actions. This guy's got a new house that he basically yes. can't afford the mortgage on and a kid that's going to a new private school and yep. blah, blah, blah. And the wife expects a new car every so often yeah and he goes i'm gonna lose my fucking job yeah the incentives are aligned for individuals to act in a way which makes it look like a coordinated conspiracy from the outside yeah now, that's not to say that there aren't fucking like overlords out there that are trying to coordinate Tons. certain things i'm sure there are yeah but i do think that the simplest solution is individual people terrified about losing their job yeah looking out for themselves 100 percent. even even those situations where we think they're overlords, a lot of times it's the people under them doing what they think 
the overlords would like. Like, I remember I used to go, there was like a few like Fox News shows that were like funny. Like they were actually funny shows, right? And um, they would have comedians on, you can kind of say whatever. And I remember going there and I remember like times like, like my material would like skew a little bit more conservative. I remember reflecting on it going like, wait a minute, am I just trying to say the thing that would win in this environment? And mm. I had to check myself. And in that moment, I was like, oh, wow, if I was an employee of this company, of course, I'm going to do the things that I think my boss likes. I'm going to behave in a way that- You're being you know, influenced, just skewed a tiny little bit. We're humans. We like to be rewarded, bro. Is there such a thing as a joke that goes too far? Yeah, to everybody. Everybody's got a limit. But is there such a thing, like, objectively as a joke that's too much? Could you write a joke that would be so much that it shouldn't be allowed on the internet or it shouldn't be allowed to be published? Is it funny? Yes. No, then there's not. If it's funny, if everybody's laughing, then then no. Like, you're laughing. Like, I mean, that's the thing I learned in my career is basically, like, in order for me to get away with the most fucked up jokes that I want to make, I got to do it right to the people I'm talking about. So if I'm doing a joke, I don't want to do any black jokes with no black people in the room. I want there to be black people in the room, and I want to be doing the joke to them. Because if they're laughing, you can't be offended on their behalf. And it's usually white people offended on behalf of non-white people, mm-hmm. right? But if you see the black people laughing, now you got to shut up with your offense, right? So what I kind of realized that, and I'm very fortunate I got this you know, very diverse audience, so I can talk about all these different things to those people, and it's not just a bunch of white people in a room making fun of minorities. Which feels weird, even if the jokes are funny. Yes. Like, there could be a hilarious joke about Asians, but if there's no Asians there, it's like, all right, what's going on, bro? Like, <laughs> doesn't it feel weird? Talking about your friend behind his back while he's not there. I don't even like talking about black shit on the podcast without Alex. So Alex, one of my co-hosts on Flagrant, like, when he's there, it's way more comfortable talking about black shit, right? Because there's a black dude he's that can talk about the window into the black world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could be like, oh, okay, this is now I can see why people are upset. Or if he's laughing, you know that it's silly. It's still kind of fun. Yeah. It just makes it better. Yeah, I know, you know what, what I mean. Another- or even gay stuff. Like, without Mark, I don't want to talk about <laughs> gay shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't know he's gay, but he is. You know? <laughs> So that's why Mark is there. So we have some gay representation. You know what I mean? Just sitting in the middle of two guys the way he likes it. Is it the... You know what I mean? Listen, you don't get monkeypox one at a time, guys. You know That's a group activity. Shout out to the gays. Right. With... Was the, that a thing in England, monkeypox? Uh, did it come over here? No, no, it probably didn't. No. No England? No. They're just way yo, too... Yo, yo, you gays in England are soft. Step it up. <laughs> Step it up. New York gays are the hardest gays on the planet. You know what I mean? Like, we have New York gays? They're gay. They're gay. They're gay the way I would be gay. How? Dick all the time, bro. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like everybody was shocked that, that this monkeypox thing was like a problem. I don't know if you heard about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Because the what's the guy's name? Fauci? Fauci basically came up and he was like, you know, the way it's getting transferred or whatever. What did he say exactly? It's like... Fuck, I don't know how he said it was getting transferred. It was getting transferred through butt sex. Yeah, but it's a specific type. It was gay orgies. Ah, uh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah, so... You know, stop your orgies, or do more, and I mean, then get immunity. I, do Natural whatever immunity. the fuck you want. I don't care. What I'm trying to say is like the places in the world that have gay populations that weren't getting monkey sex. I don't think that you're taking advantage of being gay. 
That's the litmus You just haven't one-on-one the, sex. Be straight. The canary in your coal mine is, have you got monkeypox or not? Canary in a coal mine sounds like some gay shit, bro. I don't That's know. what I just said. Okay, That's good. what I mean. That was a good pun. When it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to the Brian thing, to just like yeah, yeah. think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have stricter rules as your platform grows? Or is it just the fact that you're under more scrutiny? I think you just got to be funnier. The, the, the rule would be be funnier. And when you're taking those shots, make sure that they... But they what hit. about outside of that? What about if it's just someone generally, not necessarily a comedian, not trying to make a funny joke online? Mm-hmm. As your platform grows and there's more people watch your stuff, yeah. do you need to be more careful about the things that yeah. you're saying? Especially in a way? depending on which, like, for example, I don't tweet anymore. Like, I get all these, like, my drafts are crazy. Like, one day I'm going to tweet and delete. Tw- oh, man. One day, I don't even delete it. I don't even let it out there. I just type it in so I know the thought is there. And then that shit goes right to the drafts. If somebody hacks my Twitter, it's over One, one day boy. someone at Twitter is going to press the wrong button and un- unleash all of your drafts. I got to be on, on Elon's good side. I got to stop talking shit about Elon, bro, because he could release all my drafts. What do you think, Elon? Hero or villain? The internet's pretty split halfway at the just moment. Just the idea that like he could figure out spaceships and not Twitter. Like Twitter isn't like a hard thing. Like, have you ever met someone in tech? Like, they're not the best like socializing human beings. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, the fact that they could figure out socializing. Like, have you seen them talk to each other? Like, Zuckerberg has to like be reminded to blink. Right? Like, his <laughs> eyes dry out. He's like, oh, I like MMA. I like surfing. Blink. Okay, there you go. Right? It's like. So, so it's like, there's, there's, these aren't the people that are good at socializing and they figured out apps around socializing. Elon can figure out how to just write something and post it. It's not that difficult. So if I have no question, he's going to figure out, it's going to be better. They'll have a billion users. They'll find out a way to monetize it. It'll be easy. But is he doing it for the right reasons in your opinion? Yeah. Because that's the question, right? I, I don't know, but in my opinion, yeah. I, I think I, yeah. I I would agree. Like it seems, Well, what's the right reasons? I have, I might have a different right reason than you. For me, it would be to open Because he cares up, about free speech? It would be to open up communication online, yes. That's my opinion. I think that's part of it, but I think that there's other parts. What are the parts? I think if you're a billionaire, you need in some sort of like news apparatus to protect yourself. Like There's a reason why Microsoft, Bill Gates got MSNBC. The MS is Microsoft NBC, right? Amazon got the Washington Post. It's like, once you get enough money where people should kill you because you have that much money, you need a newspaper or something to be like, yo, don't kill that guy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, that's what all the articles are. It's like, you know, Amazon gives $100 million to this. And it's just like, yo, don't kill me. Is there not a difference between something that's editorial and something that's just a platform, though? Like, Bezos can influence what goes out on the Washington Post a lot more easily than Elon can tell people what to tweet. Yeah, but Elon can also tweet whatever the fuck he wants. And he can also... Never get removed. Not not only can it never get removed, but he can also remove shit that's said about him that's fake. Right? He could be like, that's fake news. Mm. He can't do that from the Washington Post. But they did, wa- that, yeah. they did that fact check thing, didn't they, about... Uh, I'm not saying Pension. he would do this, but he can. There's power. Yes. You know, you and all news is on Twitter right now. That's what Twitter is. It's really a news feed, right? So the Washington Post, nobody goes to the Washington Post to read an article. They see the article pop up on Twitter and then they go to it. So if they're posting fake news about Elon, he could be like, oh, that's fake news. Adios. See you later. They did that thing about, was it pensioners uh, benefit checks? And it got fact-checked by saying that the reason that pensioners in the U.S. are now getting so much more money is because of inflation, and everything is adjusted for inflation. So the increase was massive, 
but the increase was based on the fact that inflation is massive. Hilarious. And it was a, whatever it's called, a little window below. Saying, so they fact-checked it? Yeah, and it put it on the tweet. And it was like, uh, this is why this... And it was within like two days of Elon buying Twitter. It was fucking hilarious. I love that. Did you see the new shit that just came out today that the FBI, the ex-counsel to the FBI who was working for Twitter got hold of the Twitter files before they went to Matt Taibbi and uh, the other lady that that was part of the Twitter release. And he, it seems allegedly, has scrubbed the links between the FBI and the Hunt and Biden laptop thing, and he's now been fired by Elon. You never stop working for the FBI. You think? Once you're in, you're in? Yeah. I mean, you're more effective being a retired FBI guy. I don't trust retired CIA. I don't trust retired FBI. You think they're going to let you retire with all that information? You know what I mean? It's like, no, that's, that's a lifetime job, man. If they give you information that could shut the whole thing down, you're in for life. And you better know you're in for life. It's not like you do your 20 years and you write your tell-all book. We don't got that many tell-all books, right? We got the confessions of an economic hitman. Mm. He just said the shit that we all know. He didn't really say anything. And also, he's a scumbag for that. Don't, like, do it, profit off of doing it, and then write a book about how bad it is and then profit off of that. That's the Liver King arc. That's what's coming next Okay, the Liver King arc. Which is what? That you go through the villain and then i am now the hero that is coming clean for what about it is. being honest about yes. who i am yeah, yeah and then one of my friends is adamant that his end goal is to become a wwe star like that, i think that's alex the f- asked him and he was like we were like do you do wrestling he's like oh i'm 45 and then he goes no no, no like wwe so he actually thought that he meant like <laughs> like be a wrestler yes. like, like do some mma shit yeah he was like nah but uh, i don't know if he's gonna do the wwe maybe but yeah go do it and if that was the whole goal, then that would be very deceptive. Yes. I don't think that is. I think that I think that he he genuinely Yeah, I think he genuinely found something that was very helpful to like him and his family. Mm. And he shared it and monetized it. And anytime you monetize anything, I'm gonna be skeptical. Like anytime there's money associated. I told him I was like, bro, if you were an accountant and you did this shit, nobody would question it. No one would care. Because you're not making any money off it. The second you make money off something, there's always a little bit of a... Mm. The incentives aren't going to be quite as pure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, this is why Huberman is such a fucking interesting example. He's like, what do you suggest that I take for my Fidogia Regrestus or whatever fucking supplement it is? And he just goes, well, I'm not involved with any of these companies, but this yeah. is what I think. And it gives you so much faith that what he's saying yeah. is genuinely what he believes. Yeah. Because he has no incentive to say otherwise. Yeah. Like, all that that guy sells, I think, is maybe like ad free access and t-shirts i think he's gonna do some supplements or he already eventually supplements eventually he should do we should look that up he might even have some now well uh but he should because we trust him right correct yeah but that's what latent leverage is right that's what what, so um imagine that you continue to give and give and give and give to oh then it's time to yeah to your audience and then when they do they don't feel aggrieved about buying shit from you 100% I think that probably worked for me with the special like I had given away so many fucking hours of stand up comedy that when I was finally like yo I really believe in this thing this thing cost me a lot of money can you guys support me I think there was a lot of people just DM me they're like yo we'd be more than happy to thank you Mm -hmm. like and that was really cool because when you start giving away shit for free so much you expect it to be free in your head even though it's not free for you to work out you know, like I put 15 years into this, you know? So I was like, but yeah, that was a cool response. Latent leverage. Latent leverage. Yeah. yeah you just accumulate. Well, I mean, it's Gary V's like jab, 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 right hook yeah. philosophy. If you That's also thinking. like dating. It's like dinner, dinner, dinner. There it Dicks is. Are- Speaking of dating. Monkeypox. You know what I mean? <laughs> Depend- yeah, that's equal, equal opportunities. 
the manosphere. Give me your thoughts on the manosphere. Yeah, what about the man? Manosphere has always existed. It just got less funny. That's my issue with it. It's like be funny, be funny about whatever it is. Like, like my my favorite comedian, the greatest comedian of all time, uh, hands down, is Patrice O'Neill. Like Patrice O'Neill is early manosphere. Like I don't know if you watch any of his stuff. Like I'm early manosphere. Like my stuff. I've got jokes that are like perfectly aligned with Manosphere shit, but they're jokes. It's funny. What was so great about Tate was he was funny. Like Mark was telling us this one thing. I didn't even see this one. He's like, I'll never let a girl drive my car. He goes, uh, they're like, why? He goes, have you ever uh, thrown something at your girl and she caught it? <laughs> like, like, like that's just a hilarious, that joke could go on stage. Like you could take, he's got lines you could go take and go on stage. And that's why it was so effective. It's like, it, it, it tapped into almost like Borscht Belt comedy. Remember, have you heard of like the Borscht no, what's Belt? That? Like old back in the day comedy, like the take my wife, please. These one-liners, right? Mm -hmm. These one-liners were all incredibly offensive, but they tap into feelings that we have. And our feelings are not the things we execute. You get cut off. You want to be like, I want to fucking kill that person. But you don't really kill them. It's a momentary feeling. So you have frustration with your wife that take my wife, please. Everybody in the audience, every husband who's dealt with their wife bitching about something, you know, in there, the, oh, I, I relate to that moment. I relate to that feeling because comedy is about feeling. It's not about truth. It's not about what should be true. It's about a feeling that is real that you've had. So I think what happens with these jokes is they tap into moments of what it is like to be a guy in this day and age. And then not funny people got into it and ruined it like everything and then started taking every single line seriously. And then when you start to take everything those lines seriously, you just seem like you're hate women, you're angry at women, you're bitter. That's not. I don't think anybody really, at the end of the day, wants to resonate with that. The fundamental way that it's positioned is that men and women are enemies or adversaries. At yeah, the very like they're least. trying to extract something from you. Yeah, it's kind of dangerous to think about it like that. I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like a particularly healthy way to create a foundation to build stuff up from that. And. The problem is that I also understand, right? Like I was a guy in my 20s who didn't understand the world and himself and fucking everything. Yeah. So you go to the internet. It was just fortunate for me that I landed on like Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris and whatever, yeah. as opposed to some other channel. Yeah. Because you're looking for answers and this person comes across. Here's another dynamic that I always notice. Certainty with the way that people speak. Yeah. Maybe this is just like inbuilt fucking unconfidence in knowing things. Yeah. But for me, I've always got like caveats and a little bit of just i'm not so sure but i feel like this is the right way yeah when people come out of somewhere and say this is the way that things are here's a meme or a cool word or like a yeah. a, a brand that makes it seem like a fucking legitimate academic topic yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a thing and this is the way that it yeah, is yeah. it seduces people it's one of the reasons that so many political commentators online like ben shapiro is a perfect example of yeah. this you know whether you agree with the guy or not he's fucking certain about all of it yeah and you go, well, wow, like that sounds compelling. He gives you the weapons for your feelings. That's why I look at Ben as, right? It's like, you're conservative. You don't know why. And then he's going to give you the best arguments as to why, mm. right? You think mm. abortion should be banned. Ben's going to tell you why it should be banned. And he will do it amazingly, succinct, perfect data. He just gives you the weapons for when you get into an argument at a bar. That's very interesting. And I think there's a lot of people who tend to do that. But for me, they're not the most interesting. The funny people are interesting to me regardless of what they feel. And I separate that. Like, my loyalty is to funny. So, like, a guy like Dr. Umar Johnson, which might have, like, many beliefs that I disagree with, is also the funniest communicator on the Internet. So, no matter what he says, I'm watching it. 
it is going to be hilarious. I'm just thinking of things I can't even say out loud because they're so crazy. <laughs> but when he does them, they're fucking hilarious. So that's the power of comedy. It's like you really want to communicate some shit. Whether you believe it or not, comedy is the vessel. And when these people don't have any comedy and they're being like really serious and trying to execute these points and we got to fucking save the world. It's like, shut the fuck up. So I'm not it. sure that you always need comedy. For instance, Huberman is a good example. Yeah. Doesn't use comedy an awful lot. Communicates yeah, points. They make a true. great. They make a great impact. But I do think that you need to have a level of humility, um, like collaboration as well, as opposed to this very adversarial sort of zero sum type scenario. Another one of the in influences here as well. I went to Miami for the first time ever um, two and a half, three weeks ago. Yeah, and um, a lot of what I was seeing online in men's advice made a lot more sense after I'd been to Miami. <laughs> Miami unlocked the back of my brain yeah. in terms of going, oh. Like what? This. What were you saying? So, for instance, uh, your wealth is your primary uh, source of value to yeah. the world. Who you are, the person that you're with, the table that you're on, the size of the bottle, the girls that are on your arm. Yeah. What it is that the girls, how they were dressed. Like girls out in party dresses, maxi party dresses at 12 midday going for coffee in heels. I'm like, yeah. where the fuck are you going? Yeah. What is this? And- that to me made a lot of sense because it seems like a good chunk of Miami culture, very transactional, very transient, mm -hmm. very resource-based, has informed a lot of men's advice on the internet. And because of that, they're reverse engineering. Miami is how all women are. Right, right. No, it's fucking not. I've met half a million women in my life stood on the front door of nightclubs. Yeah. No, it's fucking not. Yeah, yeah. Most yeah. women, on average, are caring and kind and want a fucking guy that they can get into a relationship with that cares about them yeah some of them fuck up and some of them are outright mean yeah. and nasty and all the rest of it but so are guys yeah like i just my personal experience which is fucking vast does not suggest that girls are like the ruthless gold diggers that everybody says however I agree think about you're a guy in the Same. internet you're a guy in the internet yeah. who doesn't have much experience with women so what you do is you start consuming content from people who seem like they do and or maybe also consuming content that feeds your fears. Precisely. But what are the sort of stories that are sufficiently newsworthy to break through onto the internet? They're the most egregious transgressions of this yeah. particular... It's the, the girl that got into a relationship with some Canadian guy and took all of his money and now he lives on the street and yeah, yeah. he can't ever see his kids and his dog hates him. And, and while whatever. he was sleeping, went out, fucked a guy in a gas station, yeah, came back. Came back like, yeah. That's a real story Made him that lick a girl it. told. Like, yeah. yeah, all of that. Yeah. Those are the stories that break through. So if you don't have real world experience that can disprove that, yeah. quite rightly, you're vehemently going to think these bitches are out here trying yeah. to fucking get us. I need yeah. to be horribly uncertain whenever I'm around yeah. a woman. Yeah. Like I don't blame the guys for thinking it, to be honest with you. I think that like there's a lot of frustration when you're not in control of your sexual destiny. And there's two ways to handle that frustration. There's there's one is go inward. The other is go outward, right? I'm frustrated. It's like, well, what can I do to alleviate that frustration? Can I like get better at chat? Can I learn what these girls are interested in and like how to make them feel comfortable, right? Or do I justify that frustration by going outward, which is all women are gold diggers. They don't like me because I'm fucking short or they don't like me because I'm skinny or they don't like me because I'm poor or yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, I think a lot of times my issue with the manosphere is that it's presented as if the frustration is 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 handled inward. But make yourself a high value man, whatever like that, which you do not need to be to get laid. I think the, the guys that got laid the most when I was younger were not high value. They were just good at chat. Is that not value? It is value, but not in the 
gold digging sense. Like if we're if we're looking at all women as gold diggers, and they're these guys that are broke, but they can talk them up. Now they must not be gold diggers, right? Now these girls, on some level, just want to be made to feel comfortable, want to be listened to, want to be entertained, want to laugh, right? But it's much easier, I think, to go, all they care about is money, when you're not that good at talking, when you're not that charming, when you're not that interesting, and when you're not that interested. Like, I think the best advice I ever got about women was just, uh, just get them to the point where you can listen. What's that mean? Once someone feels comfortable talking to you, especially a woman, like that's a level of comfort and confidence that is going to separate you from every other person at that bar. Like once they're sharing their feelings or talking about their opinions, et cetera, it's like, that's you're, you're in, it's it. It's yours to lose at that point. So it's like, I think a lot of times guys go in, it's like, I have to demonstrate value. I have to show you how cool I am. Oh, look at my car. Oh, I'm going to drop my keys on the table. There's a fucking Lamborghini thing. I hope she sees that. No. Simple as that. Ah, work sucked, man. Yeah, what do you do? Oh, yeah, you do. Okay, yeah. Is that difficult? Oh, it is kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of seem kind of annoying to deal with that. Yeah, it is kind of annoying. It's kind of just talking. Away to the races. Well, you're a guy who's completed that now, you know, as a rehabilitated ex-party boy who's now... Bro, being married is the best. Why? No, it's horrible. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's great. It is the best. But the thing is that we don't share it's the best because that's not fun. I was talking about this with the guys on Flagrant, but it's like you don't share good parts of your fucking relationships with your boys. There's nothing fun about that. You know, I don't call my boys up today and be like, oh, man, I had a, I had a, a great chat at brunch with my wife and we really understood each other and felt safe and loved and vulnerable. Like, my friends don't want to hear that fucking shit, right? They want to hear the annoying thing that my wife did to me that made me look like a fucking idiot. Then we all laugh at me or we laugh at my wife, whatever it is. That's just way more entertaining. So there's things we share. But just to not be involved, I think, in the rat race is great. At my age, I'm 39. That's another thing. I had a great time partying. I'm glad I got it all out of my system. I don't have the FOMO that a lot of guys do. A lot of guys get hitched young, and then they have to deal with their whole life. What would it be like Correct. to have a threesome or something like that? What would it be like to go to Miami and see if you got to take laid? the boxes off, man? Exactly. And I'm glad I did that. There's at this point, there's nothing that I'm like. I wish that I did that before I got married. So I just get to focus on developing this relationship. One of my boys was big into pickup artistry about 10 years ago. And I remember him speaking to me and he was saying, it's like, dude, you're really fucking like committed to this pickup shit. Like you really, really are. Like, where's it coming from? Yeah. He says, yeah, my future wife better be thankful for this. I'm like, you're going to have to explain why your future wife should be thankful that you're yeah, running yeah. through half of this yeah, city yeah, yeah. at the age of 23. Got it out the system. And he yeah. said, I don't want to walk down the street with my wife and my two kids and my dog yeah. and look at a Brazilian chick and think, I wonder what it's like to fuck a Brazilian chick. Yeah. I want to have closed every different loop, every different desire, all yeah. the different quirks, even the monkey pox. I want to have got it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was what he wanted. And I do think that there's Did he an do element- it? Did he live up to it? I have no idea. He yeah. may be monkey poxed or, yeah. or not. Jordan, if you're listening, tell me if you're monkey poxed. But <laughs> yeah. he fucking, it, he, he definitely put the time in, man. Yeah. I'm not sure how his future wife will feel about it. But yeah. there is a part of that. Got to close, close off loops. all of those. 100%. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think that that's- I think that's healthy as long as you're not justifying it to yourself like that. You know, I think my one issue with the pickup artist stuff, because my dad literally sent me that book. I remember being in college when I came out the game. He sent me the book. He goes, hey, there was this was written in the New York Times. And I don't know what that says about like how my dad thought I was with women. But he was like, you should read this. 
Uh, fucking need, hopeless. You might need. <laughs> you might need. The only way I'm going to get some grandchildren yeah. is if you read this fucking book. You <laughs> yeah, useless yeah. son. Here I am, 17 years later. No, uh, but but yeah, he said, and, and I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was like really cool that guys even tried to like scientifically break down what it was that created that kind of chemistry. My one issue with it always was like using the same lines. I thought was corny, and the fight outside between two midgets. Exactly. Yeah. Like, or whatever the the fucking. There was a bunch of them, and I was just like, ugh. Like, how embarrassing would that be if you use a line, then somebody else at the bar also uses it on the girl? You're like, ugh. Just, just awful, right? The and then the other thing I didn't like, I didn't like dropping a girl's confidence so that she would like me because it assumes the nagging. Yeah. yeah no, I like teasing. I think teasing is good. I don't <clears throat> think it's good to do so you can drop their confidence so that you you will be above them. Like, my feeling is, like, if you hang out with me long enough, I think I'm the shit. So if you hang out with me long enough, doesn't matter where you think I am initially, I'm coming up. So I don't have to hurt your feelings in order to get My there. confidence doesn't need to stand on the shoulders of yours. Yeah. Exactly. I want you at your most confident. Yep. I want you at your most, because if you're not, eventually you're going to be confident. E- two things. Either I have to keep you with a lack of confidence in order for you to like me, or... That confidence is going to go back to where it normally should. It's going to reach homeostasis for you. And then you're going to be like, oh, I don't like this motherfucker. What the fuck am I with this guy for? Exactly. Well, that's fundamentally one of the problems with people who get into relationships where their mate value isn't matched. So I've spent all this year learning about this evolutionary psychology stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So there's terms for what you're talking about. Yeah. So benefit affording. That's what I studied in yeah. Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Benefit affording. You both help and you grow. Mm-hmm. Cost inflicting. You bring the other person down. So one of the ways that you can ensure that your mate won't leave you is to make them feel worse about themselves. Yeah. If you've got a disparity in the mate value, one person seems to be pulling away than the other. Maybe they're getting more confident or better looking or they've got more attention or social status or whatever it is. One starts to pull away. You can either raise yourself up to match yeah. to that, benefit affording, yeah. or you can drag them back down yeah. so that they're closer to you. And a lot of the pickup artist stuff was like that. And another thing, another problem was that people or the girls that you were using this on weren't falling for you. Yeah. They were falling for yeah. the persona. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys that did pick up, look at them now, Neil Strauss, Tucker Max, both good examples. Both of them are like these fucking like awakened, like psychedelic warriors tweeting about like enacting your fucking truest self forward and shit. Neil pulled the confessions of a hitman. I think he put out a book about the importance of relationships. Yeah, (laughs) I think so. (laughs) That's kind of crazy. But it's because I think that you realize after a while of the sort of super transactional stuff. Yeah, it's empty. Yeah, you come back on the other side. And now Tucker's got this ranch in Austin and like yeah. four kids and 30 sheep and all this other shit. Yeah. Like, that's his thing. Yeah. And maybe it took them that to get there. Like, sometimes you need to to go through that part of your life to realize you don't need it. It's vapid and empty. Yeah. Yeah, you got to close those loops. And it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Dating is fun. Meeting well, the a heartbreak's new person not is fun. fun. The heartbreak isn't fun, of course. But like meeting a new person, like going through those butterflies, like is it going to go down? Is it not? Like these things are exciting for sure. Um, but I don't think they're close, not even close to as fruitful as like developing an actual relationship with somebody. And that is when I'm when I say that, like I mean, like a real relationship, like you are building something together, not just someone to watch Netflix with. Exactly. Like, like if you have a prenup, you're you don't have a relationship. You have a prenup? No, you have a girlfriend. If I mean you have that. A, if you have a prenup, you have a girlfriend. You're not building something. You have an escape hatch. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You have a girlfriend that you created a loop 
that you could get out of to call her your wife for her, but it's your girlfriend because you could break up whenever you want and everything's okay. A real relationship, the way that like marriage was designed is we are in this shit and we got to fight through this and we got to work on this and develop this fucking love. And I think you do that without the, uh, what is it called? The parachute. Now, I've been married a year. I could come back in five years. Like, I was a fucking idiot, Chris. What the hell was I talking about? You know, why would I do that? You know what I mean? I'm broke. Who knows? But for me, I like that more. I think it's cooler. Yeah, I think that that's more exciting. Talking about heartbreak, not often that Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson agree, Hmm. but both of them I've seen have got the same take where they think that heartbreak is worse for guys than it is for girls. And Tate had this really fucking interesting video Mm -hmm. where he explained that because of the inbuilt possessiveness that men have the thought of their ex-partner now being with a new partner is so painful Mm. that to them it's going to be more painful than it would be for a woman who might be emotionally uh distressed by it and the other part of it was that women uh, a heartbroken woman is someone that deserves sympathy and respect a heartbroken guy is like fucking come on man man up now i'm not sure how much i agree with both of those but it's a fucking interesting take yeah. It's a very interesting take to think about the possessiveness that guys have over even directs, even exes that they don't want anymore. And I don't yeah. know whether you've ever had this, where you've had an ex-girlfriend that you've let go by the by, and then there's still something about them. Like you see they've moved on and you're, you've moved on. You already moved on. And yet there's still a little like twinge. You're like, I had an ex that I broke up with. I broke up with. And then we were still like friends. And then she had told me she slept with someone else. And I was like, disgusted. I was like, what? And I knew I was wrong to be disgusted. I was like, why the fuck? Like, shouldn't there be more time? All these kind of things. 100%. But for me, heartbreak was never about them being with someone else. Yeah. I, the, 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 the heartbreak was always just like the sadness of not having that person that you are loving and is loving you. I, I never would jump to, oh, she's going to be with someone else now. So that's, to me, that's new information. Mm. I'm not even thinking about the next person because I'm thinking about this moment right now where... I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that's weird. That's like, that means the only reason you loved your wife is because she's not fucking other guys. That's a weird reason to love that person. I'm not sure that'll be the reason that you love them, but it might be the reason why heartbreak hurts so much on the other side of it. I don't think it's a reason that you stay together, but. I mean, it would hurt if she's sleeping with someone else 100%, but I wouldn't go there until they did. And I wouldn't be heartbroken off of the hypothetical. Mm. I would be sad because now this person I really love is no longer in my life. That's me personally. I don't know. How do you think about it? Have you been heartbroken before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what was it? A, was it was the heartbreak about that person being with other guys? No, no, right? no, it wasn't. But there was there was some juvenile possessiveness that came through, um, like after the fact, like ex girlfriends and even girls that I was just seeing for a while. And yeah. you're like, why the fuck is this sort of this fear and resentment and bitterness around them moving on when? I didn't want to be with them no more. Yeah. But you don't want them to stop wanting you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But We're that's insecure. super juvenile. That's very, very immature. I don't even know if it's, yeah, I think it's just insecure. I don't even know if it's juvenile. I just think it's insecurity. And that's our insecurity. It's like, we still want to be loved. And if mm. you fucking this other guy, what, you, you, you stop love loving me? me? Yep. Yep. That's crazy. Like, I still want that love so I could move on with ease. The greatest gift you can give a woman in a breakup is hating you. Because it's easier. For her. Yes. But we all try to do this soft landing shit where we're like, oh, let's be friends, whatever, because we're selfish, right? It's like, I don't want to be the one inducing this pain in you. So 
will do this very easy, calm break that's way more painful for them because they're not really broken up. They haven't got a reason to hate you. And we're still getting all the love that we want because we don't want that love to stop immediately. Mm. So, yeah, but the greatest gift you can give, hatred. I heard that um, people who are scared of breaking up with a partner because they're worried about how it's going to make them feel, mostly guys to girls, uh, that that's not a sign of empathy. It's a sign of narcissism. 100%. You think that you are so important yeah. that this girl who lived her entire life up until the moment that she met you yeah, she won't be able to get over can it. no longer exist yeah. after you decide to drop the bomb. I thought one ex was going to kill herself. How arrogant is that? I'm like, how could she live without me? You know what I mean? Like, I called her mom. I was like, you better check on her. Like, I'm not in her life. You know what I'm saying? That's ludicrous, isn't that? Meanwhile, she's fine. Exactly, but... Sad, yeah. but fine. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Tate. Yeah. Tate versus Jake Paul. Yeah. What do you think happens? I don't know. Are they actually going to fight? They had a face-off. I think if they don't, it is... Even for somebody that has as many resources as both of those guys do, they're dropping the bag big time if they don't do it. Surely. I mean, there's got to be... Name me a bigger fight that could happen that would draw more normal public attention than Jake Paul fighting Andrew Tate. Bigger fight. Uh, Jake Paul versus Canelo Alvarez. Mm-hmm. That would be bigger. Mm-hmm. I think in order for the fight to be big, Jake needs to be the heel. That's the fucking interesting question. Yeah. That's the interesting question. Yeah. What sort of fucking world have we got ourselves into where yeah. Jake pulls the hero He's the face. in a fucking face down? Yeah. Yeah. Like only only if you find like a guy from the, the depths of like the fucking ninth circle yeah. and drag him out and here's Andrew Tate as yeah. the fucking bad guy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> You're like, are we supporting fucking Jake Paul? And now? I don't know if he will. I mean, I'm just, I just know for me, like I think actually this could be an absolutely amazing fight. And Jake might have gotten too good for this to be as successful, but Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz to me was always the ultimate one. And I think Jake has actually gotten too much respect for that to be as interesting. Like I think most people go into that fight going, Oh, I think Jake will beat up Nate Diaz. Really? Before there was like, there's no chance, but we also said that about Anderson Silva. We said that about Tyron. We said about all these people. We're going to have to accept that Jake is a really fucking good boxer. So, but I think the best fight is Jake against a, qualified MMA guy that people love and Jake is the heel and he's doing what he does best which is troll antagonize I mean he is well, did we not did we not see McGregor versus uh, Mayweather as an absolute super fight that's two heels yeah and it was really interesting that like Mayweather almost became a face and he didn't know what to do mm. yeah but McGregor would you not love that fight would you not love to see what happens when like an immovable object meets a, an unstoppable force yeah. at the press conference yeah. I'm very pro Tate take Paul. Like, oh, I, listen, massively if they can fucking. make money off of it, I want them to make money. I just don't know why Tate would do it. But again, I don't have an idea of his finances. Like, if, if you told me, Jake, if you told me Tate is worth $200 million, I would say, no, there's no reason to do this at all. Like, to risk permanent damage. He's he's already said he has, like, some cornea issues or mm. eye issues. Like, this isn't going to be fucking good for you. I think he's maybe 34, 35, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's not. If you have $100 million, you couldn't get me to do shit with a hundred million. Hundred million, bro? Just in bed. I'm not fighting. For a hundred million? Nah. Like, I don't know why you would do that. Because now what are you doing it for? You're doing it to prove something to the public. I guess you, you know, went back and forth with him. But Jake is a legit fucking boxer, man. Like this guy's dedicated his life to it. And he was young, younger when he got into it. He's not one of these like 40 year old guys that does the celebrity boxing. The kid was in his early 20s and then dedicated every fucking second to every day to it. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, I don't know if I'm Tate if I would do that. I wouldn't do that if I'm Tate. 
because you got the money. Why risk it? And then I suppose one of the risks for this is every single time that Jake Paul steps into the ring with somebody, he can only win. If he gets beaten, he goes, look, it was fucking Anderson Silva, Tyron Woodley. It was whoever. They are this illustrious. It's Canelo Alvarez. It's J- it's fucking Andrew Tate, right? You know, four-time kickboxing world champion. Every single person that steps in must have like ass-splitting nerves about if this guy fucking knocks me out. I'm an embarrassment. Correct. How can you be the top G? It's not very top G to lose to Jake Paul. Maybe it doesn't happen. You've made me think that it doesn't happen. Anymore. I would never do it if I'm Andrew Tate because the reality is Jake Paul's probably going to beat you. And that's not saying that you're not an incredible fighter. Clearly, he's a fucking kickboxing world champion. Like one of the best kickboxers of his time. There's no doubt. Right. We know that for a fact. You probably haven't kickboxed in years. If you've done any training at all, you know that the instincts, not just the muscles atrophy, the instincts do the timing does like you take a year off. The timing's not there. This guy, Jake, has been in the fucking ring. Now, granted, he's big. I mean, how how tall is Andrew? Six two, probably. Oh, six, I three. thought he was taller. Okay, so six, two, they're, six, they're about three, the probably. same. They're yeah. about the same height. I, yeah, I wouldn't do it if I'm Andrew, especially if you got a hundred mil in the bank. That's there's no way. There's yeah. no way. What yeah. legacy counts for a lot, man? But to then, impress some fourteen year olds on the internet. Yeah, I, I, I was adamant it was going to happen. All right, so who does Jake fight next? Do you think Nate Diaz? Nate Diaz. That's the one that you would make if you were the fucking kingmaker. Nate Diaz. Because you want to rile up the MMA crowd. You want everybody in MMA. MMA is bigger than boxing, right? Now. So it's like you want everybody in MMA to be rooting for the MMA guy. Because you have to tap into like a stream that's bigger than you. Mm. If you really want to make things big, it can't be just your following, my following. We have to discuss an issue that all these other people also feel. And ideally, they don't even know who the fuck we are, but they tap into our conversation. So you want tribalism. You want in-group, out-group. You want them and us. Bare minimum, tribal curiosity yeah so like when we put out i imagine you're going to put out clips from this podcast every one of those clips is going to tap into an issue not you not me maybe a couple clips of a schultz about this but it will be about a topic that's bigger than the both of us and ideally people who don't even know the fuck we are find us they find you they go i like the way this guy talks in interviews maybe i'll listen to his other stuff yeah we're tapping into something bigger right like so what's the umbrella that's what I'm looking at when I look at a fight with them. I'm like, okay, what's the umbrella? The MMA crowd is desperately trying to prove that they're as qualified strikers as boxers. The boxers are desperately trying to prove that boxing is a much better martial art, is a much better form of defense. And you have those two groups using Jake and whoever he's fighting as proxies. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's like the war in Ukraine, right? It's like Afghanistan. You don't really want the fight. The fight ain't about the Taliban versus whatever. It's about United States versus Russia. That's what I want the boxing match to be. So that, and I want, you know, the, whoever's boxing to make the most fucking money possible. It's a horrible way to make a living. So I hope Jake makes fucking tens of millions of dollars and then retires soon. Well, he was talking about he's already getting some, was it speech slurring or maybe something was up with his thoughts? That's what he was saying. Bro, can you, I mean, what speech, time, man. how old is he now? Like 26? Maybe not even, dude. Right, okay. So Maybe let's say let's even. say that Jake Paul's 26, 25, 26, and he's been doing this full-time five years, yeah. four years, something like that. That's quick. And in the space of that long, is seeing neurodegeneration, his speech is changing, something up with his eye, da 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 da, da, da. Fucking wild. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I'm saying. The kid is committed. <laughs> yeah. He's because committed. you're putting not only your health, but literally your lifespan on the line as well. Like Jake has 100% lost maybe months, maybe years from the amount of time he's going to be alive because he wants to pursue this 
purpose sport at the moment. Yeah. Fucking insane. That's who you're dealing with. Yes. So think about Someone that. Someone that's prepared to kill themselves sooner. Yeah. You're dealing with that level of commitment. Are you that committed? You got $100 million in the bank. You got private jets. You're the top G. You got all these girls. You got Bugattis. You got everything. You're dealing with the kid who's willing to give it all away. You have it all. He's trying to get to top G if he has it all. I don't know how much money he is. I'm assuming he has that much money. I'm never taking that. You got to be crazy. I mean, I give him a lot of respect for doing it because if he honors martial arts that much or something, whatever fucking bullshit, but no fucking way. Uh-uh. No. Fat point. That kid's hungry. Do you know why people don't fuck their sisters? Yeah. 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 Why? Um, that's too much fun. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you know, it's like it fits, ugly, ugly sisters. It fits perfect. You know, it's like it's Lego. You know what I mean? So I learned about this. I got to fucking, I got to tell you. I got to no, fucking. I don't know. I got to tell know. you about this shit. So I learned this shit. I got to yeah. tell you about it, right? Yeah. So there's something called the Westermark effect. Right? Okay. What it seems like happens, um, let's say that me and you are brother and sister. Yeah. I can't tell that you're my genetic relative, right? There's no um, like fucking little code on your face. No smell or There's, anything? You would be able to notice uh, an affinity, but you wouldn't necessarily, you're not disgusted, sexually disgusted because of that. The reason is because of this thing called the Westermark effect. Okay. So what happens is infants that are raised together for a good amount of time throughout their infancy, usually between the age of like one to two until uh, like puberty age, yeah. what they do is they look at their parents and the family around them and they see who is mum giving attention to, who am I being raised with, who's she breastfeeding. If you're the older sibling, you look at um, did that baby like come out of mum and around the time of labour, was she holding this baby that then became my brother or sister? And that's called the Westermark window, right? Mm. So you have this period of time and what you get is this sexual disgust imprinting. So that's why you don't have sex. Not because of some inbuilt fucking innate, I know that you're my brother or sister, it's because of this window. Mm. Now the interesting thing happens when brother and sister are split apart at birth. They'll fuck? Not necessarily. But, well, I mean, in the same like amount of hit rate that two random people on the street would do. But, they don't have sexual disgust because they haven't lived together for that time. Yeah. Same thing goes for the father that leaves the daughter's life and then comes back in later in life and you think maybe already daddy issues. But also there's something about this person. It seems like humans have a predisposition. They have a, an affinity toward people that resemble them a little bit. Mm. You actually see, you'll see them if you look at couples walking down the street and you go like, you kind of look alike a little mm. bit. And there is an affinity for that. So what you end up with is this very dangerous situation where two, a brother and sister that have been taken apart can then come back together and they don't have that sexual disgust. In Indonesia, there was a period where families would adopt the daughter of another family when she was a newborn and betroth her to their son, raise them together. But what they didn't realize was that they were putting them through this Westermark window and it meant that even though they weren't genetically related, they had sexual disgust. They were yeah. How interesting is that? Fuck. So what would happen? Would they have sex with one another? With difficulty. I mean, like brother and, brothers and sisters have done it before, but it's fucking hard. Like it's very, very ingrained yeah. to do that. We should give them some credit. Like, For getting past it. Yeah. like A lot of we, Viagra and a fucking good porno No, but we order. tease all these like Southerners. They're like, oh, it's all incest, blah, blah, blah. These like brother fuckers, whatever like that. But like, I guess what you're trying to say is like, we should honor them 
for for their ability to break through the Westmark barrier, <laughs> no, right? Is that what your no, point is? That's not my point. Did you pun. bring this up to, to, to justify the, incest? Not I want justify it, like more incest. Give them a medal. <laughs> like like you couldn't fuck your sister, you <laughs> pussy. You know what I mean? Let me fuck. But that guy did. Well, I know that you don't have a sister. Yeah, and I'm an only child, so they that did you a, know of. You could have smashed out your sister in Leeds or something like that. You think? You could have been up in Leeds. Oh, fuck. Separated know? at birth. She had curly hair and a big jawline and a fucking stupid accent. Dude, imagine. Adopted people got to worry about it all the time. Do you not remember um, that sperm donor guy? There was that documentary on Netflix, that dude that it turned out he was the fertility doctor and he was using his own sperm. This is in Brazil or no, something? No, it was like in that? the US. Oh, really? It's, it's on Netflix now. It's fucking oh, brilliant. That's in the US. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, um, this guy. Oh yeah, he like. Oh, that's right. The like whole town 40, was him. Yeah, like fucking everybody, and they were all thinking. Yeah. that Apparently, one of the women said exactly that. Which he was, was like waiting for the list of names to come through and praying that it wasn't an ex boyfriend. But remember about that, like but she. Can we also point this out? Like, a lot of them wouldn't have gotten like doctor genetics. Now, I'm not saying they should be grateful, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you know, but like. <laughs> They're probably objectively smarter because fertility, of this evil fertility scientist. doctor. Yeah, like I mean, is, is that, that not MD? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they got Listen, psychopaths. It's genetics. bad. It's bad what he did. Yeah, but all those kids are smarter. Imagine they're dumb dads. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Fixing plumbing all day and shit like that. Coming home to this smart ass fucking kid, right? Don't like, Jim Shark. Don't cancel me. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like, think about it. Like, they're smarter because of it. They were able to figure it out because of that fucking doctor gene. One of those kids got to the bottom of it because and that's of the, the father's beca- fault. Because of the gift that the father gave them. The, yeah, done. Coming back. So they done. did a, they did a study where they got guys to imagine tongue kissing their sister, right? Ugh. You pulled the face. So what they were doing was they were videoing the facial expressions yeah. of these guys. I was doing and, this because she, my sister would also have a big nose, so I was like just uh, getting out of the way of it. It, it hits yeah. the mic sometimes, I've <laughs> noticed, yeah. Um, and uh, they had they were tracking the facial expressions and they can um, <laughs> categorize them. Yeah, they can yeah. say, this is disgust, this is happiness, this is blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, yeah. And they found that right on cue, some of the guys were like, oh, and some of the dudes were so far back that the camera went out of focus. However, the guys that didn't have sisters showed a like a disproportionate amount of like smiles curling at the edge of the mouth <laughs> because it's like there's no sexual there's no like incest aversion there's no sexual yeah. disgust for that why do you think we're so into like the stepsisters and that kind of shit fucking fascinating question i don't know why like incest porn and stepmom porn that's popping right now isn't it the incest porn yeah shit? and the stepmom porn well i think this the milf do you thing think that's pandemic related like we're all in the house together and it's like the only person you're seeing is your stepmom maybe there's definitely something to do with the milf thing which is like an older more powerful woman that can say what she wants i think that's that's attractive i think that's one of the reasons that guys go toward the milf thing i mean why do you why why are people fucking? But that's int- what guys are turned on by that some guys are some guys are turned on by like fucking cuck pawn and all sorts of stuff yeah what do you think about that that cuck thing is so odd I really can't. Oh come yeah, up we were talking about that. Outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really can't come up with a good example or a good a good explanation for it. I've got a guy coming on next year who's one of the premier researchers into cooking, uh, so I'm going to ask him and I'll find out like what it is that he's the premier. One of them. There's imagine, not many. Imagine being like the worst. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm one of the worst researchers in cook porn. Like, I, listen, I watch my wife get fucked a lot. Like, I've been no in idea room. why it's happening. Yeah, I just can't just... figure out why I love it so much. Like. <laughs> Fuck. That's the premier researcher has he tried it is it like some Keynesy shit where like he's oh doing he's all doing the it for himself i have no idea 
I don't know, man. But I mean, it, what we were saying out there is that, that you're trying to control an uncontrollable situation, right? Like you're getting cheated on a lot, so you're like, okay, I'm just going to allow this as if you're in charge. But yeah. being in the room and watching it as a way to like almost desensitize yourself, yeah, I don't know, dude. I have a friend who uh, was trying non-monogamy for the first time, and his wife was upstairs banging her boyfriend while he was downstairs dry retching on all fours on the bathroom like bathroom counter, and his. Dry just retching? F- what is that? Oh, throwing <laughs> up? Oh, wow, wow. Like, had nothing to bring up, but just yeah, yeah. W- felt but she like... she was also up there like... <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that interesting? That, like, she was on all fours, also dry retching? Fucking you know? in, in unison together. <laughs> it's like we're still together. Um, and he said he justified this it. This is the- fun, mate. Pip, <laughs> <laughs> pip. And, uh, yeah, he was like, oh, it was... At the time, he's now uh, realized different... At the time, he was like, dude, I think I was just working through my trauma. You know? Like, I was just letting go of the ego. I was allowing it to evaporate. Yeah. I'm like, maybe maybe that's just something that you shouldn't be doing. Maybe you just... That's such an excuse for everything that we do that's fucked up, is I was working through my trauma. You know? Like, no, no, no. You just... Something's off right there, my dude. Also, we have too many names for things. We got to stop naming weird shit because it normalizes it. But like... Like non-monogamy it's mm. like no no cuck it, it just describe it and then you're gonna feel embarrassed and then you won't do it Uns- don't th- write a name uncircumcised oh yeah yeah i've told you about that one yeah 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 you saw that on pbd damn fucking right yeah, i did yeah, what yeah, the yeah, fuck yeah. is going on yeah, yeah, it blew yeah. my blew my mind yeah explain yeah. uncircumcised uh yeah it's just a stupid word there's just no point for the word yeah it's just it's circumcising dick that's what i was saying yeah we don't we don't call things ungay you know what I mean? But this is the joke that I was trying to make. It was it was obviously with all the Kanye stuff and the you know the Jews being controlled the media. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, what's the funniest way where I can make the argument that Jews do control the media? Mm. And then I thought about uh, the the dicks, and I was like, yeah, I'm circumcised. Well, I have a Jewish dick. I'm not Jewish, but I, my dick is Jewish, and uh, that seems pretty good control. I was in the car yeah. with a friend yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and his girlfriend was sat next to me. We were talking about yeah. this exact thing, yeah. And she went, uh, "Honey, uh, close your ears for a second. Yeah. I have seen a lot of dick in my life. I have never seen one that's got a foreskin. And I was like, wow, if you were in the UK, you would have struggled to see one that That, didn't have a foreskin. In fact, if you're Brian, you have too much. Like you've got way more than you need. (laughs) Fucking 90% foreskin. He could use it as a burqa. Like <laughs> what he's gonna do, over the head. he's gonna do. He's gonna when he becomes Muslim, he's gonna get circumcised. Step then, into it like a sleeping bag. That's for, that's for his new bride, bro. That's for his new bride. Oh, Brian. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's no, it's a fascinating term that's just yeah, getting yeah. It's such a weird thing. Why is it that so many Americans are that aren't Jewish are circumcised? Um. Why? What is Kanye's answer? No. Uh. No. I think. I think it became like a health thing at one point. Like people thought it was healthier. I've looked it up a little bit, but it is like it is an odd tradition, right? Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting about it is the way that women perceive it. Like women in America are, I don't want to say repulsed, but they're not into the the whole thing. Intact. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And um, it is. It is just. It is a fascinating thing that like you could create perception and create a aversion to something that is natural. Yeah. Like the way it's supposed to look, you know, even now. Yeah. Like I'm like, mine looks better. Yeah. You know? Well, that was Bill Maher's take. Bill Maher, had, was, what he, he, say? he just said that it's, it's so ugly. And I'm like, well, yeah. that, that's kind of the same as saying like someone that hasn't chopped an arm off. 
yeah, is yeah, is yeah, more yeah. more ugly. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's so fucking. You're so right about it being like a, a cultural conditioning thing. Yeah, this is what you're used to or what yeah. you think, and there's some sort of like but predisposition aug- around it. things does make them better. You're taking away. So here's the here's the. But we do that all the time, right? We take away fat. You look better. You know we. We True. add jawline. We do these other things. I'll get into the fucking meat and potatoes of it. Uh, you have a gossamer thin amount of fucking tissue yeah. on, on the fucking corona of the penis, yeah. right? Yeah. That's protected by the foreskin or the bell end, as we call the it in the end. UK. Yeah, 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 like yeah, bell end. Yeah. Fucking brilliant insult. Calling yeah. someone a bell end is so satisfying. Yeah, I dig it. Um, you get like keratinized bell ends over time. Like the head of the penis becomes like fucking. So you've got, I can only imagine that Jewish women have got to like fucking. Oh, you're saying it loses sensitivity. Absolutely, 100% loses sensitivity. There is a huge movement online that says male circumcision is gentle mutilation for boys because it downregulates the amount of pleasure that they can get. But isn't that good? Because maybe our women come more because of it. Because you can last longer? Yeah. Interesting. I'd love to see someone do a study on this, please. We got to do a study. That's how many actually pumps? really good. How many pumps can the how fucking... How many pumps? Because you guys are so sensitive, you're busting all early. Uh-huh. And we're out here just, you know... Smashing hips. Just smashing <laughs> hips, dude. We really might be. That's a great fucking point. Shout out the Jews. The Jews knew that... W- it's the most feminist thing that they've done. The Jews knew... <laughs> the Jews knew that women need an orgasm. We need to desensitize these dicks. They just had them out there in the desert just dragging along the fucking sand and shit. And eventually it got to the point where they're just making their women come non-fucking-stop. This is brilliant. This is true. It's like someone's chopped the end off a baseball bat and it's fucking just dangling down there. That's it. It's rock-hard piece of... Yep. But think about it. If it's helping the women out and help... What is the most embarrassing thing as a guy? It's coming too Nothing quick. Nothing too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they should have chopped more of mine off because I stay coming <laughs> early. Stop. I think I only got like a half Can cert. I take a bit more yeah, off the top, take please? Take it off, my boy. <laughs> that is so true. Short back and sides, please. Yeah. So is it super sensitive for you? Well, I don't know. I haven't got nothing to compare it to. Yeah. It's like, fuck, it's a dick. Yeah. So I think like, yeah. But like, like when it comes out, is it like cold? Like, oh. Uh, not usually temperature checked. I'll, I'll check next time. But like when I'll you it cock it back, does it, do you feel wind? Oh, yeah. If it was breezy, absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't feel What's anything. yours? Like the fucking bottom of your foot? Exactly. Like yeah. the, the, it's the, an elbow. that cracked it's like elbow. fucking yeah. skin on the back 100%. of your heel? Yes. Right. Yeah. It's Bert Kreischer's heel. That's what my, Do you ever have to put one of those compede things on that girls that wear heels too much and get like fucking blisters? No, like if it like ever gets band-aid? like fucking rubbing on the zip? No, like, no. But you can't go. Oh, actually, we have underwear in America. Yeah, yeah. But I was going to yeah. say, if you go without the underwear and you yeah. catch it on the back of a fucking zip or something, oh, you probably wouldn't even notice. Up? You wouldn't no, even notice. No, no. It's still kind of sensitive, but it's not as sensitive as as you guys for sure. Cool. Yeah. Let's go back. We can compete later on. Yeah, yeah. We'll see which is more. Yeah, we'll just flick it. That'd be good. <laughs> just see who reacts more. I'm wondering, is mine even that sensitive? That's an interesting one. Act that's also another thing. Like if you don't get hard, don't feel bad about it. Blame the Jews. Oh, because you, you know desensitized I mean? yeah, exactly. me. Exactly. Like, it's like part we, of a Jewish conspiracy to yeah. give me erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Kanye, yeah, 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 Kanye, yeah. talk to us. You've missed one. Yeah. We call it whiskey dick. It's not whiskey dick. It's yarmulke dick. Jew dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is good. That is good. See how comedy works, guys? This is fun. <laughs> now, if I wasn't a comedian, this is just two guys committing a hate crime on a podcast. <laughs> So I've got the light. I've got the light above us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, fucking, here's another one. So yeah. one of my friends, his wife's sister is six foot two without heels. 
Very tall. Wife's sister. Wife's sister is very tall. Okay. So true Geordie's sister is six <laughs> heels. Okay, no, no. go on, go on. Uh, she was walking through a supermarket and she was uh, lamenting the fact that she can't find a partner that is taller than her. Like women mm-hmm. on average want to date someone, at least that's not shorter. Yeah. Right? And uh, she's struggling and they're walking around the supermarket and they see this guy who's like six foot seven of the far side, apparently really good looking dude. And uh, she sees him on the edge of the aisle. She's like, oh, wow. Sort of nudges the sister and says, like, I might go and, go and speak to him. And then they see him push the trolley along as they follow him around the aisle like stalkers. And they see him go up to a five foot three girl mm. who pops something in the cart and like gives him a kiss on the cheek and keeps on going. And she's like, this short fucking bitch. She could have had five five. Yeah. She could have had five six. She could have had five. She could have had five four yeah. and it would have been fine. Yeah. Me, meanwhile, fucking six foot two can't find any partners out there and she's taking him up yeah is it the case that girls that earn 30 grand a year shouldn't be going for millionaires for precisely the same reason this tall girl problem they're capturing if you're a fucking phd that earns half a million a year as a woman like you, you don't need want to date a broker dude precisely so yeah. should it be the case that it's like you should have a height limit so that it makes it fairer for the dating world what do you think that is kind of interesting women are allowed to have standards yeah we're not really allowed to have that how so? It seems like there's more scrutiny when we want standards. But women are allowed to have standards. Like they, they, they can date someone who, they can say, I don't want to date someone who makes less money than me. And I do want to date someone who is taller than me. And I want to date, they can all these specific things. And that's okay. And when we do that, we're objectifying them in some way. I think that that's unfair. That's mm. probably unfair. But if they're tapping into their biological impulses, I guess that's okay. I guess the question is, when can we stop tapping into our biological impulses? Well, the equivalent for men is that men date younger. That is true. So this is one thing that the man is but, but that has to do with like... Um, fertility, youth, etc. Fertil- specifically, right? Yeah. Like well, youth optimizing is the, fertility. Yeah, but what is resources and status for? That's protection of your baby. That's yeah. why women tend to date up and across. Yeah, that makes dominance, sense. Dominance and height in the men. So yeah. like, this is one of the things that never really gets discussed in the world of online men's advice for dating. Yeah. They'll always point at women and say, your hypergamy is fucking disgusting. Um, why is it that you want the millionaire? You don't yeah. realize that you're a five out of 10 and actually you're trying to get like these guys that is yeah. 0.1% of the entire population. Yeah. And you go, okay, has any guy ever been told that they should date older? Yeah. Because you're yeah. saying, women, your inbuilt predisposition is wrong. Yeah. Maybe that's up for debate. But if you're going to make that case, you have to say to men, your you preference for younger women is also wrong. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think that makes, that, and it's not like we have a preference for younger women always. You just have a preference for younger women as you get older because that's where the fertility, um, what would you say? Like uh, it ranges. Window, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Window well, of fertility. Well, yeah. Unless you're Leonardo DiCaprio. Exactly. Well, he's not even trying to get him pregnant. Just bouncing off the fucking limit of 25. Yeah, yeah. Fucking 25th Honest. birthday, and there's Honest. like a fucking Beautiful scheduled though. email. There's yeah. a scheduled email on her birthday as soon as he well, gets she in a relationship. What time it is? Like, I mean, she's excited. She <laughs> if your girlfriend number eight, yeah, and it's your 25th birthday, and you know that it's happened seven yeah. times before, you're like, yeah. I saw this coming. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think if a woman. If a woman wants to have kids and she doesn't prioritize a man's wealth in some way when she's picking them, she doesn't care enough about her kids. Because resources will give the kids a better life? Not only better life, like security while she's unable to work. Like bare minimum. Like if you have a job that's going to give you fucking nine months of whatever it's called, maternity leave, et cetera. Okay, then you can have a little bit more security. But I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman going, okay, I need some protection. What if I want to raise these kids? What if I want to give these kids the best possible? I don't think there's anything wrong. I wouldn't call that gold digging. It's gold digging if you want a rich guy and don't want kids. 
then you're a gold digging bitch. If you want 20 kids, get a rich motherfucker that can afford them. That's beautiful. The only thing that makes you a gold digger is not wanting kids. Because once you have kids, ideally, your focus should be on them. It's not even the things that you're going to get. The, your focus should leave you. I don't have kids yet, but I want kids. Mm -hmm. Like My wife and I are trying to have kids. And I'm excited for this part of my life where it's not only about me or my wife anymore. It's about something else. I'm excited to live for something else. That's great. But yeah, I don't think you're a gold digging woman if you if you have kids the, at all. The problem that you have is most women want to date someone that earns the same or more than them. I don't think any woman wants to date the, the same. They want to date more, yeah. right? At the very least, yeah. it would be different. accept the same. Yes, but they would want more. Yeah. The issue is that women are out earning men two to one, women completing four-year US college degrees, yep. women between 21 and 29 earn 1,111 yep. pounds more than men do. So you have an ever-increasing group of women that are high-performing. But that's date, by the way. Uh-huh. Not just fuck. Fuck is totally different. But you're going to have to get past fuck in order to get to date for the most part. That's if a dude wants to. I, here's the thing where I think there's this like all these things are true, but I think the argument starts to fall apart a bit of it because the dudes that are incredibly frustrated by women aren't trying to date and have a girlfriend. They're trying to get some pussy. Correct. So and girls will give you some pussy even if you don't have a good job and all this other stuff. Please believe I got way I got plenty of pussy before I did anything. Right now, I know there's dudes right now that are, and I was joking around this on the podcast, but like, if you ever want to be complimented by a dude, just tell them you got pussy before you were famous, and they're going to tell you everything about you, why you got pussy. Oh, you're handsome, your jaw, you're in good shape, all this other shit. Not, not your personality at all. They, you, they become the biggest objectifier of you because they're trying to, they're trying to tell themselves why they don't get pussy, right? So, but 100%, you can't, girls are willing to sleep with dudes that are making, that make them feel comfortable, safe. And also laugh and enjoy and have a good time. Obviously, lifestyle helps. There's tons of dudes getting pussy because they got yachts and all this other shit. But uh, you do not need that. I promise you, you do not need that at all to get laid. That is the biggest lie ever. At all. At all. It's easier, but you do not need it. I was living with my parents for years. Bringing girls into their apartment. My mom drinking a fucking 40 of Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I don't know why she would drink that. Scottish women, shouts to Scottish women. And then just saying hello and like being an adult, late 20s, living with my parents. Crushing. They don't care. So do you think there's always talk on the internet about- Be fun. That's what they care about. There are so few guys that are fun. That is the rarest thing in the world. A guy who's genuinely fun. Well, think about one of the things that the current dating advice would make people do, make them take their lives very seriously. It would make them take dating incredibly seriously. Take the interaction the out of it. every interaction. You're thinking, is like, this person trying to take advantage of me? Do I need to set the tone here? Do I need to? No, no, no. Just have some fucking fun. Laugh. Be silly. They will also be silly. You'll have a great fucking time. She might have these requirements and eventually go, you know what? This person isn't taking his life. Uh, I don't want to say seriously, but this person isn't at a place in their life where I can move forward with this. But please believe you look, go to a city like New York City where there's so many women that are just moving here. They actually are looking to hook up with guys. They're like, I want to hook up with my first guy in New York. Oh, I've never hooked up with a Puerto Rican guy. This is going to be really fun. They're going to be objectifying you. They can, I've never hooked up with a bartender from a thing. Boom. Done. I, I, it is like the biggest myth ever is that these girls do not want to fuck guys. They do. And they don't give a fuck what your value is. What is your value that night? Are you the funny guy at the bar that night? You're the highest value man. Simple as that. I think you, they, you have to almost lie to yourself a little bit more. Let, you, have to, you should lie to yourself. Be like, every girl in here is starved for dick. And unfortunately, I only have one.
But that's the the mentality that you should enter the room with. I really do believe that. And I think that would help you. Not the mentality that every woman in here is trying to take my gold. Yeah. Oof, what a horrible way to live. What do you think about the body positivity movement? What about it? So I saw a Bill Burbitt from yep. uh, his show at Red Rocks. And yep. he had this really fucking fascinating insight. So I've learned about this thing called intrasexual competition, right? What? Intrasexual competition. Okay. So women competing with women for men and yep. men competing with men for women. Yeah. The current world, both popular media and also the men's online dating space yep. is saying that men and women are each other's adversaries, right? Mm -hmm. That their uh, loss is your gain and vice versa. But it seems like most competition happens intrasexually, not intersexually. Mm. And fucking Burr nailed it in this piece. Mm. What he was saying was, how have we got ourselves to the stage where normal, average, can't remember your fucking name looking women have convinced all of their bigger friends that they don't need to lose weight? The reason for that is that it makes you the hot one in your group of friends. You reduce your own intrasexual competition by encouraging body positivity. That's it's funny. like fucking keep on eating you fat bitch lose yeah. a toe yeah. like th so <laughs> Look, that I, yeah. I it made me see body positivity through an entirely new fucking lens there's no woman that's proud to be fat that is a myth the, it, it, this is not true the, even the skinniest women don't think they're skinny enough like if you actually believe that these fat girls on the internet that are saying how proud they are of their body are actually proud you just don't know any women at all women are constantly scrutinize and uh, for their weight it doesn't matter how skinny like even the most fit girl like the most fit athletic girl is upset she's not skinny like a model and that skinny girl that's a model is upset she's not fit like the athletic girl everybody is they're constantly worried about their bodies like this idea that there's these like fat confident chicks no maybe if you've been fat your whole life you've like learned how to accept it and you have another confidence that like these skinny girls don't have because they're trying to live up to these unrealistic expectations but i truly do not believe every fat girl you see walking down the street is like proud to be fat while they're fee five fo fumming all over a mall right like there's they're in, they're embarrassed about that and they want to do something to fix it right you don't want to come on bro Listen, do you want to do that? You walk into the Apple store, the iPads are fucking shaking and shit like that. That's not a, that's a problem, right? That is a problem. You're trying to get a brand new iPad. The guy is telling you about it. It's popping out the charger. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? Oh my God. Is there a beanstalk in this? Right? I think there's a beanstalk in this Apple store. Is that, do you take the beanstalk to the genius bar? Like, how do I do, you know, I don't think there's any girl that's actually confident about that. And I think they're trying to mask that confidence. We were talking about earlier. You in told me about that that interesting point. Yep. We should in talk about now. That yeah. thing I forgot about. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, I think that there's there's a couple of things going on here. Like you can and should be happy with where you're at, but also want more. I think the problem comes when you try and tell other people that this is the way that they should be. Yeah. Right. So that's the inner citadel. The inner citadel is I damage my leg, I try to fix it. If I can't, then I chop it off and I announce that the desire for legs is misguided and must be subdued yeah. by everybody. So how many people that are a part of the body positivity movement are there because they struggle to lose weight and then announce that the entire world's view of weight and health's link is completely misguided yes. and that's wrong? Like, you can be, uh, you know, you're, we're saying here, 
embrace the person that you are as the, the shorter guy that maybe doesn't have as much money and maybe doesn't have the right job. But like, what can you do, right? So the same thing goes for this. You can be perfectly happy in the position that you are without telling everybody else that they need to adhere to your biases. Yeah, you have to accept things you can't change. I think the thing with weight is we perceive it as something that can be changed quite easily, especially if you have good metabolism. Like if you're skinny without doing nothing, you're like, oh, you must be fat because you're overeating and lazy. Yep. But the reality is, is there are different metabolisms, right? Like some people just are fatter. It's harder for them to lose weight. They got to try way harder and they got to sacrifice way more. Now, my question is like how much you want to sacrifice. We were talking about this earlier. Like I would rather be fat than David Goggins any day of the week. That seems like the worst life ever. Like the guy got no fucking toenails. Like he's saying his knees are completely uh, devoid of any cartilage. Like it's a con. Like he got a whole team just to get up and run every single fucking day. And it's like that sounds awful. Like I'd rather be plump and enjoying meals with my friends and like just embracing dessert. I love dessert. It's I wonder whether awesome. I wonder whether it's an issue with theory of mind. I wonder whether it's because you can't imagine what it would be like. Let's say, I don't think that this is necessarily the case, but let's mm-hmm. say that Goggins takes as much pleasure from running 30 miles a day yep. and doing 500 push-ups yep. as you do from going out with your friends. Exactly. So let's just say that that's the case. Yeah. Let's say that there is a, a person for whom they can be as happy and confident at the size that they are as the person that is in whatever the shape is. That's yep. not to say that there isn't. On average, I don't think that that's the case for most people. I think that most people end up being happy with a varied life that gives them a good bit of freedom and has a little bit of discipline. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And again, that was just me personally based on what I Correct. value, right? Correct. So uh, the the one tricky thing with, with body positivity is the assumption that these things are healthy. And I think nobody's saying don't love your body. What they're saying is don't mislead people into thinking that that's health, right? Like it, it is not healthy. Like doctors say that this is not healthy. And I think that's the only pushback. If you're like, yo, I'm fat and I'm unhealthy, but I like to live like this. I don't think anybody's going to be angry at you. Mm -hmm. Why do I give a fuck that you're fat? But what if they say I'm fat and I'm confident like this? Great. Your life, do what the fuck you want. You're not hurting me. Mm -hmm. I'm fat and this is healthy. Now you're misleading people. Now there's other people who are like, okay, I could potentially be fat and you know, uh, I don't have to worry about my body at all. And you can, I guess, do that, but it is misleading. It's not, it's not true. There was a university in Canada that recently took all of the nutritional information off of the meal plans that students had because them seeing the calories on the back was too triggering. Was too triggering. Too triggering. Wow. Wow. Why, why would that be triggering if they're fine with how they look? Well, I don't think that they are. I just think that uh, calories were seen as part of a uh, probably patriarchal superstructure that is trying to keep people in their place based on an arbitrary sense of calories in, calories out, which is... I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I don't really believe in calories, dude. Don't believe in calories. Okay. This is interesting. Let's let's dig in. Like, I don't think liquid shit is calories. I challenge you to drink a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts shakes and tell me otherwise. Depends how liquidy it is. But like, for example, like I know this sounds crazy, but okay. like, I yeah, I don't, I just don't think, I don't think there's any. What if calories. you drink a bunch of cream? Is that not liquidy enough? Let me tell you something, bro. <laughs> you shouldn't be drinking cream. That's absolutely disgusting. But like, ketchup don't got no calories. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's liquid, right? You're like, you know what I'm saying? Like a Coca Cola got calories. Like, get out of here. Like, if you just, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. I don't think liquid shit really got calories. I think once you make it liquid, then calories go somewhere else, bro. You should I'm tell these students in Canada. 
Bread has calories. I try to stay off that bread. That bread is dangerous. So by your logic, the, the more solid a food is, the more calories it has. Like sofa? Cheese. Mad calories. Cheese, crazy calories. Cheese, it depends. Is it grilled? Do you know what I mean? If, you, like, if it's melted. If you get it while it's melted, that's no calories. But if that shit starts to coagulate a little bit, just now fucking. some caloric, you know, it is going up. I'm just telling, like, mayonnaise ain't got no calories, bro. Like, there's certain things when you liquefy, I don't believe it. You can't tell me right now Fanta got calories. You can't tell me. I drink a Fanta, I'm full. Huberman. I never drink a Fanta and I'm full. Andrew, I need to speak to you. We have, we have someone that is not... Dr. Huberman's on the phone. You tell me right now. You tell me right now. You th- well, How many calories is in a, a Fanta? 180 or some shit like that? Probably like 200, yeah. 200 calories. Yeah. Okay. You drink a Fanta and eat a Snickers. Which one makes you more full? The Snickers. Because calories ain't real. Because <laughs> calories ain't real. Now, I don't think they're, they're not real in its entirety, but I think the system that we're using is <laughs> fucked up, bro. I don't think it's legit. Let's say, yeah. let's say for argument's sake, that you're wrong. Let's just yeah. imagine in another world that you might I'm be wrong. I'm down to okay. do a hypothetical. You can drink way more Fanta than you can eat Snickers. I believe that. Which would mean Now that, you're on my level. Which would, <laughs> Now you're rocking with but the, me. No, but yeah. it, it means that you can fit it in your body. It doesn't mean that it's not going to inf- like impact no, you. No, because calorie is a unit of measurement for how much energy it takes to digest something. I think it takes more to digest a Snickers or a loaf of bread than a fucking liquid. I pee that out. You, hey, 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 body. Hey, body. Don't even digest it. How about that? In, out. Orange still. Don't even digest it. I'm not asking for you to digest it. I don't want no energy from this. The most ideal way to drink some shit is get that flavor and then pee it out with the bubbles. I'm cool with the <laughs> still bubbles carbonated. coming out. Yes, still carbonated. I don't want that as calories. I just want the flavor. I, you cannot convince me right now that 200 calories of bread is the same as 200 calories of Coca-Cola. I know for a fact it's not. Okay. There will and be- nobody will, will nobody will uh, do whatever. If you get diabetes <laughs> in three years' time, everyone's going to know where it came from. Let me ask you this, right? If calories are the same no matter what, why is it that Atkins works or keto works? Because it is significantly easier to feel full from car from a protein and fat than it is from carbs. Carbs cause you to eat more. Carbs cause you to eat more? Correct. I get fuller way quicker with carbs immediately. That's just- my point. So when you get... Re- no, sorry. Yeah. It is... You will feel more satiated from protein than you will do from... Over a long period of time, but the immediate fullness comes from carbs. True, but you also have... You starting to get on my side. <laughs> Fuck it. You Let's- starting to get on my... I'm just saying, liquid... There are, nope. di- there are dietitians like committing what's that fucking thing seppuku now in the fucking comments harikari yeah that thing whatever it is japanese anime yeah Yeah, that they're doing that where they kill themselves yeah that's it that's what they're doing they're soft mr beast yeah what'd you learn from mr beast because i'm kind of everything but i'm kind of like amazed by him because i can't work out whether it's work rate or creativity or like openness to trying new things or attention to detail and then i watched a vlog the other day that says he basically lives in the factory that he bought that has all of his different studios in. Yep. So he's obviously super committed. Super committed. What'd you learn from Mr. Beast? Um, how to run a brothel. A lot of people don't know that about him. But Okay, that's his side hustle. Huge into sluts. <laughs> Loves, like, you know how he's like big on the hamburgers? That's not the only meat that he's slinging, bro. <laughs> this guy 
sells bodies, man. Like men and women, just gigolos and hookers. Like in North Oh, he's Carolina. an equal opportunity employer. Equal, he's very equal, 100%. Okay. Everybody's allowed, but yep. loves selling sex. Big into it. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's how that's how he got Imagine the production quality of Mr. Beast's OnlyFans. Oh, you got to see it in person, bro. We'll go to North Carolina. Fucking 6K, oh. 3D, VR. Dude. It's, you ever watch VR porn? Say again? Have you ever watched VR porn? No. Because I've uh, had sex before. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. look, I advise like in I, real life. I advise I advise doing it, doing, doing it once just so that you can see the future fucking demise of this civilization. Why? It's that good? Well, it's like this. It's like there. Yeah. It's like fucking. Yeah. Like right yeah, there. Yeah. 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 It's like pretty terrifying. Yeah. Or. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big porn guy, but to be honest, Mr. Beast is the motherfucking goat. And like the way that he's. I mean, just everything. And he's also very gracious with information. Like he shares nonstop like you can ask him for assistance on things and he's like yeah do this do that blah 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 mm. and uh he's just he's just great his whole team is great i mean Tarek is great like all those guys are fucking awesome they analyze the hell out of what makes videos work for attention on youtube and then they create those things and it's just yeah he's fucking i can't say enough great things about it, outside of the the hookers thing that he loves yep slinging dick yeah so, yeah it seems to me like and it would Big dick, dude. There's, he How likes, much foreskin? Bro, you know, he doesn't like foreskin. That's another thing. Okay. He doesn't, he like, uh, what he'll do is he'll bread them and make like calamari out of them. So like he has this cool rest, that's the new restaurant that he's made where he has breaded foreskins and then he sells them as calamari. Beast skin. Yeah, beast skin. Beast skin. Yeah, it's crazy that you know that. How do you know that? Uh, I, I got, saw the trademark get yeah, issued yeah. online. Uh, but outside of that, like selling parts of dick, like baby dick at that. He's a great guy. How many calories are in baby dick? Honestly, dude. Oh, man. I don't believe in baby dick calories either, to be honest. To be completely <laughs> honest with you, dude. I don't believe in it. Full skin know. calories yeah, aren't real calories. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to ask. Yeah. You could imagine a world in which Mr. Beast using like analytics and yeah. this sort of uh, reverse engineering. What do we know that works? And I spend 10 grand on a thumbnail and I do this stuff to end up with quite a formulaic and like stodgy feeling production. Yep. But it doesn't still it just feels keeps on changing, it. but it still feels like creative and yeah. open and fluid and stuff like that. Um, that seems pretty like almost impossible to do. Or it seems like the, the balance that is very difficult to strike of course. because there's a bunch of YouTubers that can make the formulaic, like this is my process and this is how it will work and I'll rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. But then to do, that which you know works, and then keep it fresh. That's success hard. is seductive. It's very hard to move away from success. And guaranteed success is a thing that you've already been doing very well. So him doing a new type of video or a new genre, a new platform, actually creates longevity, right? Like, But at the same time, it's dangerous. You know, It's a dangerous thing to do. He could flop. And when he flops, it's big. Think about like Hollywood won't even make a new movie. We're on Mission Impossible 9. Like that's, you know what I'm saying? Like there's no new movies because they're worried about the amount of money that they're spending mm -hmm. not being returned to them. And uh, so that's why like, yeah, I got a lot of respect for, for well, Jimmy and the boys, man. A good example of that with your stuff, you decide to do a new style of comedy online, yep. which is like direct to camera. You start to see some success with that. Mm -hmm. Is it difficult for you to then say, I need to kind of let this go. You have proof. You have that palm of your fucking hand on yeah. YouTube studio, yeah. on the analytics, proof. Yeah. Shows are selling out better. 
everything's going better. And now I'm what? I'm going to let that go. I'm going to stop doing the thing that I just found that works to do another new thing, which I don't know works. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking exciting. Also, also like uh, the time didn't call for it. Like I'll bring that back. When I say I'll, we'll bring that back. Like because all the guys work on it. You know, it was those 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 fucking rants were were amazing. I mean, yeah, that was just an awesome time. You know, Mark and I started writing them. Then we brought in a guy named Robbie Slovic who works for John Stewart now. But he's so fucking brilliant. We would write these like literal essays and then turn them into jokes. And it was. It took so much fucking time. It was unbelievable the amount of time they took to make those. And Miles would make these images, and it was it was great. But um, the time needed it. Like culturally, we needed that. I remember I got sent a Bill Maher video about. Uh, he did a rant about the the why it's not racist to call it the Chinese virus, mm-hmm. and then he gave all these examples. West Nile's from West Nile, Long Island, and this is from this, and this this is just what we do, and he um. And I got sent that same video by my uh, my wife's stepfather, by my brother, by my youngest employee. It was like multiple generations of people were sending me the same thing. And I was like, ooh, there's a lack of a voice for honesty right now. And people are craving it. And if we can just get the thing right and be truthful – then it will have eyeballs. And then what we inserted to it were jokes that you've never seen, like a, a level of harshness with the jokes that you just have never seen with topical stuff. Like there, no network would be okay with those jokes. But the point was also something that was sliced so thin, you've never seen that. So it was like this combination of like an intellectual take that was empathetic to potentially what both sides were feeling about an issue. And what we believed to be was like the truest version of that issue with the harshest jokes you've ever seen. And it was great because we're at this time where like nobody believed anything. And I think now we're so desensitized from like being told one thing and then it ended up being fake for like three years in a row. I think people have just checked out. So right now is not the time to do that. Mm. But eventually like, you know, who knows, you know, presidential race comes up. We might get back into it. You never know. But right now everybody just wants to disassociate. Even the drugs people are using. It's like ketamine's popular right now. It's not cocaine. Cocaine is like, I'm in. What are we doing? Ketamine is like, I'm an observer. Everything is disassociation. So when people want to remove themselves, you don't want to go all in on what the issue is and the right thing about it, Mm. in my opinion. That's very interesting to take the, whatever, the cultural milieu and then go reverse engineer your type of content. I wonder, because it wasn't long ago. It was only three and a half years ago where you weren't selling out every show. Yep. Uh, where you were known but not the sort of size of platform that you have now. And I'm fascinated by people who are kind of on a trajectory from not super famous to getting pretty fucking famous. What have you learned about what, – what's changed? Like what about the perils of fame or, or the challenges that you – great. I'm not saying I'm famous, but having some level of like fame is Notoriety. Great. Yeah, yeah uh, it is – what I love about it is people trust your kindness. And I'm genuinely like a kind person. Like I can be nice to somebody and they don't think I want something from them because I'm probably the more famous person in that interaction. Oh. So when I walk in a restaurant and I'm nice to like the host or the waiter, they're going, holy shit, this guy that I watch all his comedy, he's like really like a nice guy. As opposed to because he wants a free they Coca-Cola want a table, at the end of the they night. They want a table, they want this, yes. they want a better seat. Like 
I'm not using kindness as a weapon or tool to extract anything from you. I'm just giving you kindness. So it's allowed me to be like the person who I always want to be. I grew up in New York, which is like, we don't trust kindness. Like if you are nice to me and I don't know you, I think you want something from me because that's how people do it in New York, right? They come up to you. Hey man, how's your day? Do you have a little moment for uh, the climate? And it's like, oh, you were, you use niceness to get money out of me. So it's, it's great for a guy like me. I didn't grow up in a small town where everybody's nice to one another. I grew up in a town where kindness is specifically used as a tool to manipulate and remove money. That is the goal of kindness in New York. That's why in New York we were like roasty with one another because that's how I know that you're safe. You know what I'm saying? Why would it be the case that someone who didn't roast back wouldn't be safe? Because they would be overplaying their nice hand in an attempt to try and get Well, not even roast back. Like if the first thing you do is you make fun of an environment, you do something like that. You walk into my store or something like that, like, and you're like, uh, um, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like you walk into your store and it's like, uh, you know, someone just robbed this place or whatever, some fucking joke. You're insulting the store. Now the guy on some level is going, okay, he's insulting me. That's bad. But at the same time, he's not trying to manipulate me. That's also good. Mm. I can trust this guy's intentions potentially. That might not be the best example, but... One of the coolest things about having fame is just being able to be nice to people and them like appreciating. Also, um, and this is a, um, a Norm McDonald uh, line, but I agree with this completely. It's like you get the best version of people. Like people come up to you with a smile. They come up to you happy. They come up to you excited. Like you're getting like this awesome treatment from people. You're Most people walk around the streets. They're upset. They're stressed about something. They got to go somewhere. They're in a rush. They got no time for anybody. They're bumping into you. Most of the interactions I get to have is people going, hey, I love what you do. You're really proud of this thing. I love what you do. And my specific type of like, uh, I, I hate using these types of words, but like notoriety is like they know me for being myself. I'm not playing Superman. Gladiator or some shit. Yeah. Yes. Like yes, yes, where yes. you really yes. like Superman. You don't like me. You yeah. like the character I Correct. play. It's like, Correct. Nah, this is me. These are the things I think, the things I feel. So you appreciating that is so fulfilling. So it is it is awesome, and I'm not at that level, I guess, where it ruins your life, but I also think that's a choice. Like, I'm not going to name names, but, like, I have people I see rolling around with, like, fucking 100 security guards and shit, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, I've been with people who have security guards, and nobody recognizes them. They just recognize me. I think you're overplaying the situation. Now, I don't want to jinx myself. Somebody comes up and robs me or something, but... Have you considered what happens if you overshoot fame? What does overshoot mean? So there's an article called 13 Reasons Not to Get Famous by Tim Ferriss. He wrote it yep. probably about six or seven years ago. And it's yep. one of the fucking best things that I've ever read. Yep. Most people in the world are below the level of fame that they would like to get to. Even you, maybe. Even you would like, as someone that's got a pretty big platform, mm -hmm. to continue to accumulate more notoriety and fame. I never think about fame. <laughs> ah, not for its own sake, yeah, but yeah. like it comes as a byproduct of doing more of things. success. Right, yeah. yes. Greatness. It, it, yeah. it, would, it would be unlikely for you to say... I'm prepared to stop doing what I'm doing because I now have too much fame. That might be a better way to frame it. Yep. Like that you would stop doing the podcast because if you accumulate one more subscriber, that would be one too many that may know you. That the byproduct of what you're doing would cause you like discomfort with fame. So my point being that almost everybody yep. in the world has less fame or notoriety than they would be comfortable with having. Yeah. Right. You don't know that threshold until you pass it. And you can't stop it. You can't stop it once it happens. Yeah, and Tim Ferriss, Tim, yeah. Tim Ferriss is one of these guys who blasted through this ceiling. Yeah. And he uses it's these 13 reasons. And this guy 
camps up outside of the house that he's living in, maybe in Austin a long time ago now, uh, and lives outside on his front lawn for like two weeks yeah. because he's adamant that Tim is sending him secret messages in his podcast saying he wants to be in a relationship with him. Yeah. And Tim has to check into every hotel that he goes on holiday with under a pseudonym, under a fake name, yeah. because people find out they call all of the hotels in the area, not able to upload family photos when he's been going away and all sorts of stuff. He never puts photos of like yeah. his friends and the people that he's with and all this sort of shit. Yeah. Like he never does any of that. Um, and he says, like, these are some of the prices that you pay in order to get the level of fame. I think he had maybe like a 700 million to 1 billion person audience, like the number of, not obviously individual people, but yeah, the number yeah, of exposures. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, million to one odds happen eight times a day in New York. If you have an audience of, let's say, 100 million people, yeah. let's say there's 100 million people that know who you are and know what yeah. you do, 1% of the world are psychopaths. Of that 1%, let's say that 1% of them have sufficient motivation to come and do something and like 1% of them have yeah. got fucking... You're, like, you're still left with a pretty significant cohort of people that when you broaden out the amount of people that know you... Yeah. I was at the Onnit gym in Austin mm -hmm. and some dude came in with this like sort of scraggly, shuffly looking guy out of his car with this handwritten fucking like ring binder thing mm -hmm. and put it down and said, I need to speak to Aubrey, Marcus, owner of Onnit, CEO mm -hmm. of Onnit. They were like, he doesn't, like he doesn't work. He, not only did he sell the company to Unilever like six months ago, but yeah. like he did, he's not here. He doesn't live doesn't and work, work in here. Factory, yeah. yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll wait in the car. Yeah. And they were like, no, you, you don't understand. Like he's not here. He's not coming here. And he's like, I need to speak to Aubrey. I need to give him this. Yeah. My point being that when you start, and Aubrey's audience is like, you know, comparable with the size of, of mine. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 first of all, I couldn't pick Tim Ferriss out of a lineup to save my wife's life. I have no fucking clue what that guy looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he has an issue walking around at all. I can't believe that at all. Uh, that's not to say that people don't know him, but I just have no fucking clue what he looks like. I know who he is, the five-hour workweek guy or whatever, yep. you know? Um, one of those, just to interject there, one of the reasons for that is he's significantly backed off his public persona over the last decade. Gotcha, yeah. He had a, a show on uh, Discovery or something, I yeah, think Yeah, I bought had. his book, too. I yeah. got the the... the Perfect example of what you said, yeah. though, is you want everybody to know your name and nobody to know your face if you want to maximize your... Yeah, like, I mean, it depends. But then you don't get the that like amazing treatment from those correct. people. And then they can't trust the kindness that you give them and that kind of stuff. So I, I think with Tim Ferriss, the problem is you have to figure out like what lane you're in. If you're in self-help, you're going to attract the people that need the most help. A guy willing to camp out on your fucking lawn needs a lot of help. So I'm not surprised that the self-help people get the weirdest, craziest fucking followers that do all the weird, crazy shit. I'm a comedian. I like making sane people laugh. That is the fun thing for me, right? And I like poking fun at absolutely everybody. I'm not saying, I don't say I'm some fucking important guy. I don't even go say comedy's important. I say treat us with the least level of respect. The the less respect you have for us, the better. There, there's so many comics who are out there like, we're the modern day philosophers. I'm sure I've said this on some fucking podcast that I'm a modern day philosopher and I regret ever saying it. I, I regret ever giving any kind of importance to comedy because then you can't say anything. You can't say we're the modern day philosophers. We're the ones putting the truth, truth out there in the world. We're the ones changing the world. We're the ones holding the mirror up to the fucking powerful people. And then on the same level go, why are they canceling us for what we say? You said you're important. You said you're changing the world. Well, if I was someone in power, I'd sure as want to silence those motherfuckers that are saying the real shit. If you're that important, say we're not important at all and we could say whatever the fuck we want. I value saying what the fuck I want. So treat me like a clown. I don't give a fuck. I wonder if that's part of the problem that Brian had. 
Which is he's been he's done serious stuff. He's done serious of stuff. Of course. And then when you want the get out of jail free card, I was just making a joke. Like mm-hmm. it's very difficult to do that. Yeah, man. Well, I, I'd be very interested to to but track yeah, it with Ferris. I don't. I don't know. And I, don't get me wrong. There, it gets a level. Like I see what certain like ones of my friends have to go through that is like very fucking difficult. And it's not only difficult in regards to, like how your life is because. Like, listen, I, I, you know, my wife will get fucking uh, insulted and that kind of stuff on the line. And like, when you, when you have a wife and you have children, you're subjecting your family to this shit too. You know, I was talking to Patrick Bedave on the podcast and I was like, would you run for governor? He's like, nah, I wouldn't subject my family just for governor. He goes, for president, it might be worth that, it. Yeah. Like, but so for governor, no. He's making a value judgment between what's the price that I pay versus what's the return that I get. 100%. Yeah. It'll be interesting, man. I mean, one of the problems that you definitely do have is you, you've, got friends for whom you were i think about to say it that it affects the people around them like if you want to go out for dinner with joe it's like <clears throat> we need to pre-vet the place that we're going he needs to have these guys it needs to be a closed off room because it's just going to be bing 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 throughout it's, the entire night so how do you maintain your normalcy in that i'm like i'm so lucky everything i do is collaborative and it's one of the things i've realized in life i love i love doing things with the people that i cherish I love spending time, the camaraderie, it's all about everything that I do. I know when I'm up on stage, I'm I'm just beat me by myself, right? But if you even notice like how I do stand-up, I'm like curious about the people there as well. Mm-hmm. Like I'm interactive with them. Even with the jokes that I've like pre-written and these pieces, I'm still like, there's this conversation because I like being with people and I like I like creating with people, right? Those are the things I like. I don't want it just to be me. I like having this group and we solve these problems together. For me, that is the most awesome thing. Like I even look at the movies that I love, like Ocean's Eleven is just like, to me, the best movie because it's 11 misfits that come together to solve this impossible problem, right? Like this is a metaphor for, for our lives. So one of the things I like about that is that I'm coming up like Dove, who's my manager and producing partner, I my first friend in college. Jamil, who you met out there, is my best friend since I'm 13 years old, right? Like Akash, my first friend in comedy. Like all these people that are part of the team and Mark and Miles went to college together. Like all these people are part of the team and the part of, are, are these people that we enjoy hanging out and working together because that is the most fun for me. And it also maintains a level of normalcy. If you're isolated, you're by yourself. You're the only one doing this. The bigger this thing gets, who's your boy who's just making fun of you? Who's your boy that's just going to keep you humble? Who's your boy that's going to let you know what you're doing is absolutely great and you can trust that? Is there something special about it being a member of the team or an inside person that's a part of the project as opposed to it just being a friend that you have that's been with you the whole time? Well, I also have those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I but all, is there yeah. something extra that you get from the guys that you work with? I like getting money with my boys. I'm going to be honest with you. That makes me happy. Like on the, co- cool. on the come up together. Yeah, because like, these are things we talked about. Like I remember when Jamil was working over at, at TripAdvisor, I was like, yo, one day we're going to do the ads together for, for the pot and then for other parts. We're going to build an Fucking ad. Fucking TripAdvisor will be the one that comes to us. Right. And then, like, now we're doing it. So it's cool to, like, imagine these things and then, like, live them out. Like, I'm, dude, when me and Dove were in college, we almost did a radio show together. How crazy is this? Now he is managing. Basically a radio show. A fucking radio. You know what I'm saying? Like, all these things we planned. Yeah. And then we're executing. That, to me, is fun. Like, seeing your friends buy some expensive shit from the money you guys made together. Seeing your friends, like, treat their fucking wives right. You buy something. He's got a very, very, very fast BMW back in the UK. Isn't that fire? Fucking unreal, man. Isn't it cool? One of the fucking coolest things that's happened since doing the show is the ability to, like, liberate good other people that have come along with me. Like, the first year that we did the show, he made 
50 pounds probably in AdSense. Yeah. We've split YouTube down the middle since we very, very first started. Yeah, yeah. And he worked for f- worse than free, whatever yeah. worse than free is, yeah, yeah. for like two and a half years. Yeah. And then fucking by year four, he's got, I'm like, let's fucking go. That's, I mean, to me, that's just the most beautiful Let me give you the other one. Let me give you the second thing that for me, so that's one of them. For a long time when you're doing a show, especially mine, where the come up's been like pretty gradual, like took a long time to get to anything and now it's really taking off. You're like slipstreaming the clout of everybody else, right? I'm holding on to the coattails of Douglas Murray or Jordan Peterson or fucking whoever, right? Yep. And then after a little bit of time, you get sufficient momentum that you realize that you can be that springboard for other people. Yeah, you got clout. And you're like, oh, holy fuck. I get to go and find some underground hero that is way more brilliant than the amount of people that know about them and then give them a platform Mm -hmm. and they fucking, away they go. Louise Perry wrote this amazing book called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. I release an episode and so does Trigonometry and it goes to number one on Amazon. Like, because because she's brilliant. Yeah. And we happen to have the the platform that was able to display her brilliance. Absolutely. And it's just rinse and repeat. Now that's fucking cool. Oh, it's awesome. I fucking love doing that. Especially if you really admire those people, you really love them, or they deserve a fair shot. It's great using your platform in that way. A hundred percent. I agree with you. And that's what I admire so much about Joe, to be honest. It's like, yeah, Joe's the shit, man. He's literally, he is as cool even if you're a fan as cool as you think he is you don't really understand what he did because like when he puts a guy like me on his podcast that could bomb you know how many comics he'll put on and i'm sure the episodes don't do as well but he's doing it because those people are hilarious and he feels that people should see them most people when they get power they don't like to give it away like george is on some like i mean i mean uh, joe's on some like george washington shit like it's crazy to 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 be president and be like, all right, I got to stop this. You know what I mean? Like, I got to give power back to the people. That's a weird thing to fucking Marcus do. Marcus Aurelius, philosopher king shit. Low key. Low key. So it's like, yeah, it's it just a benevolent a benevolent king is the rarest one. And we got it. And we got to appreciate it while while it's, it's here because it's not always going to be here. Because usually what the thing inside people that makes them want to get power is the thing that will make them not want to relinquish any of it. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I never even thought of it, but there could be another world in which the biggest podcaster in the world also happened to be a total cunt. That will be the case, most likely. At some point. After Joe retires, forever. Yeah. Like, Like this is the anomaly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I honestly... It's so weird. And that's, so that's kind of like every, you know, everybody has your North stars. Like my father's my North star in like most situations. Like I'm just like, what would he do? Like, how would he treat the people around him? How would he empower them? How would he do that shit? And I look at other people that also do that. And I'm like, you know, he's a great example, especially in the entertainment business about how you could put people on yeah, and how you could put people on. And that doesn't hurt you. That just makes you that much better. Like Loki, I look at Drake like that too. Like Drake, Gave so many people features and then made them famous because of those features. That didn't make Drake any less. But what it did do is made every one of those artists so grateful of Drake. So now, anytime Drake needs anything, they're there. Any Anybody says anything about Drake, they're like, nah, fuck you. That guy made me a millionaire. He's that guy bought my mom a house. Yeah, Like, he didn't have to. Simply because he loved my art. How he's done his career, how Joe's done... It's also no fucking... Yeah, it's 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 not surprising at all that you look at the people that are at the top of their careers or like their top of their industries and they're operating in a kind of similar way. 
which is who like point i'm just saying drake and, and rogan oh, yeah, like yes pointing out these people who are far less famous and successful than them and then giving them the platform to be successful drake will go on your song he's not even saying be on my shit he's going i'm going on your shit you know what i mean like that's crazy like i asked joe i was like yo will you be the first guest on a pod he's like absolutely yeah and you never want to ask somebody you know is that busy. But it was one of those things where it's like, ah, we also want to kind of honor him a little bit. You know what I mean? It was like, I think it, it's only right. Like a right. shrine. Yeah. Like, yo, man, like, you're so instrumental in even making this. So that's the thing. Like, I think that's why also there's so many people that will defend Joe no matter what, what anybody says about him. This was the interesting thing that I realized around a bunch of the different controversies that happened over the last year with him. What happens usually when the press brings up a particular news story is they say, this is the tip of the iceberg that shows this particular person is the homophobic, racist, transphobic, misogynistic piece of shit that we've always said that they were. Yeah. Now, the problem with Joe for the press was even a casual fan has listened to like 200 to 500 hours. Yeah. And there's people that have listened to multiple thousands of hours. And they go, yeah. you're telling us that this is the tip of the iceberg. I've seen the whole iceberg. Yeah. I know that there's nothing down there. Exactly. So for you to besmirch and like smear this person's name yeah. by claiming you know something I don't yeah I don't think you do yeah yeah you that's don't. what that's what was so I think what is so good it's such a good protectionist strategy and it's not a strategy but it's just a byproduct of talking for hundreds and hundreds of hours out. every single year yeah. it's like look if I fucking genuinely didn't like black people yeah it would be out there by now people would know how fucking good of an actor do you think I am yeah to be able to hold this non-racist persona for yeah. like fucking thousands and thousands of hours. Yeah. And the craziest thing is he's vegan. That's the thing a lot of people don't know. Like that elk shit is a lie. Like, beyond elk. He, it's beyond elk. It's, he's, he's a very strict vegan. Like strict vegan and can't use a crossbow for shit. I was like, yo, show me how to do that bow and arrow shit. Tiny foreskin. Dude, can't crossbow. <laughs> no, those are the things you got to attack him for. Those are the, every one of those is CGI. The crossbow shit, CGI. Like, he uses, he takes a scooter to work, like a razor scooter to work. He's just doing, like, every single day. When he, that's, I don't know why they don't attack him for that. They always come for these old videos and that kind of stuff, but you got a vegan on a razor scooter that can't even use a crossbow. You know, like, that's the thing that you should probably write a New York Times article about, you know? Isn't that crazy? Like, when you go, you know how you've done the pod, and he's just, like, you know, mashing down Beyond Burgers, like... <laughs> He's like, this is soy. Like, you know how he tries to rub soy on your tits right before every yeah. pod? Like, yeah. that's that's my favorite part. You're going to wipe mug. it off the microphone before yeah. you get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking, dude, I... I uh, nah, he's a fucking man, dude. I think it's very scary what happens if, if and when he, like, bows out and somebody else comes through. Same thing that happened in L.A. Like, look at the L.A. comedy scene. When he was at the helm of the L.A. comedy scene, everybody was helping each other out. It was this, like, beautiful camaraderie that was happening. What's it like now? Well, one, I, you know, not as many people going out to the shows, and that's reasonable because you have the most famous person on the planet that's going to go to the the comedy clubs every single week. So naturally, you're going to have people come out there. But, um, but yeah, just uh, it doesn't feel like there's that same energy, that same excitement, that same camaraderie that was there. And I think naturally things can get a little bit more competitive. People are organizing who's the next king, who's the next person, mm. what's there's the deal. a power vacuum, so there's a power grab happening. Of course, and. Uh, but yeah, man, it's like, yeah, that 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 potentially can happen. You got to hope that a guy like that has instilled enough values in people that even if they are like these kind of psychopaths, they see that the way to success 
is through altruism, kindness, mm-hmm. support. And you've so, left behind this like tradition almost. Yeah. So yeah. even though they're using it, they're doing those things for the wrong reason. Like it's like even though they 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 just being a Christian so they could get to heaven. At least they're being a Christian. Pascal's wager again. Yes, there exactly. Yes, yeah. you got it right. Pavlov's wager. Pavlov's wager. I always fuck it up. <laughs> All right. So yeah. think about for me. We're talking about this sort of change of status and notoriety for you and. You mentioned earlier on that you and your new wife are now starting to try for kids. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Comedians are used to being grafters, right? You do all of these shows and you've got this podcast and yeah. you do this stuff online yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah. Are you, is there a tension between the amount of work that you want to do and how much you're used to doing mm-hmm. and the fact that that's got you a particular level of success mm-hmm. and the fact that moving forward, you're not going to be able to serve yourself in the same sort of, selfish way anymore you're now going to have to let go of some of the strategies that got you to where you are if you want to become the husband and father and family builder that you want to be yeah 100 percent. yeah you have to that's why for me it's like i want to learn how to be like a businessman like i'm good at making money but that's not because i'm ever chasing money it says i'm chasing greatness and i'm I'm good at recognizing talent, like the guys that fucking work with me, all those guys are goddamn superstars. And it's like, but I want to learn how to run a business so that I can create free time. Cause right now I'm the bottleneck for all my time. Correct. You know? So it's like, but what if I learned how to do it like a real businessman would do it or brought in somebody, you know, that could teach me how to run it so I can create more pockets of time for myself. Because to me, yeah, that will be the most important thing. You know, obviously starting a family and wanting to make time to spend time with them specifically. And like, honestly, go through those life changes and see how that's reflected in the work as well. I'm excited for that. I'm done talking about the same shit I've already talked about. Not doing dad jokes? Yeah, I can't wait for dad jokes. I can't wait to talk about family. Like, because the people who listen to me are also going through that. Correct. They're also having families, right? They're also married. They're also experiencing these things. I like evolving with them. Like, I don't want to be like a clothing brand that's still trying to sell shit to 16-year-olds and you're 55. Like, fuck that. Like, I want to grow with them. And I want those 16-year-olds that listen to go like, oh, shit, that's what's going to be like when Comes along for the ride. Yeah. I listened to fucking Chris Rock when he was probably in his, I mean, I, I don't know how old he is, but like, I know I was a teen and I'm listening to this older guy talk about relationships and that kind of stuff that I wasn't exactly relating to, but I recognize how funny he was. So I think that's there, but, but yeah, man, I, to me, that's, that is the greatest honor, you know, like building that family and trying to instill some cool values in a kid. I have a friend who has made a good bit of money throughout his twenties off the back of really really great products and courses that he released online and he's got this new girlfriend and he's all fucking smitten with her and they've been together for maybe a year or so now we went out for dinner not long ago and we were just chatting about sort of where he's at and the journey he's got to to get himself to the level of success he's at now and he was like do you know what it is man i realized that most of my 20s were spent setting me up to be the dad that i want to be for my future kids that's cool i was like that's fucking dope yeah so fucking cool yeah and you realize that you know the strife and the challenges and the overcoming this and the learning and all of that you know it's nice to give it away to people and they resonate with you and you're like that's fucking brilliant but imagine if i synthesized it down and focused it on like fucking three tiny little humans that had my genetics 100 percent. that's fucking cool that's awesome yeah i think that's way that's the ultimate success like i think that's the ultimate thing that i'll be defined as you know for me at least i've been very fortunate that like i've achieved there's like one more goal i have in stand-up and then I've checked off. You say what it is? Yeah, I just want to sell at Madison Square Run. How many people is that? 
there's different ways to do it, but I think in the center, and I have to make sure that's the best show. That's like eighteen thousand, and then if off to the side, it's like twelve thousand. So it was like it was one of these things where like for the last tour, I was like, do we do it for the last tour? Because we did Radio City, that's just six thousand, but we did that twice, so that's twelve thousand. Like, all right, maybe we could have done that and check it off. But then there's also the big boy. There's 18. Maybe you want to get that. So that's the last That's the last goal. That's not to say that I'm going to stop. I think I'll have plenty new goals. But of those older ones, that's the one where I'm like, okay, I still want to, I still want to check that off. But it's funny. Like, success will make you value completely different things, man. Like, I don't know. I, I, I was like, I would look for inspiration in terms of, I look for inspiration in terms of the things that like man has created. Like I went out there and I was, uh, I, you know, I look at the pyramids. I look at Rome. I look at Paris. I look at Tokyo. Like I was going around to all like the greatest creations that, you know, man is responsible for. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is really inspiring. And then I was out in like Utah and I looked at, you know, what time has created. You know what I mean? Like you see a fucking Canyon that was created over a hundred million years. And, one, it's like absolutely beautiful, but two, it puts things in perspective, like how short a time we have here and like what we're going to do with this time. And I think that's why I like bust David Goggins balls a little bit. It's like, okay, you spend your time running. That's awesome. You know, but like, how do I want to spend my time? It, do I want to spend it creating? Yes, I love creating. Do I want to spend it developing this relationship and this partnership with my wife? Yes, I want to do that. Do I want to raise these kids and I want to experience things with these kids and through these kids and hopefully prepare them for the world, which is fucking terrifying. Like the fuck do I know about the world? You know, I know about some stand up comedy. Am I going to have the right thing to say when they're having a tough issue at school? Do I call my dad and ask the right thing to say? Is there a book I can read? You know, that's another thing. It's like, how do I want to process my time here? And I think that's what I'm thinking about. And it's very likely I'll get to like a dollar amount where I just where I might, I don't know, I might stop everything. I might get to a dollar amount. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done with everything. I'm just going to focus with my kids, enjoy the fuck out of life with my kids and travel with my wife and make sure I experience every little thing I want to and make sure she gets to experience every little thing in the world that she wants to. That's, that's completely possible. Or I might do that and then realize, wow, I really love creating. It's fulfilling. And like having these conversations is like so important to me. And I'm not doing it for money because I have enough money to say, fuck you. I'm doing it just because I truly love it. Like, yeah, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. But I want to, at the end of the day, be like, I got the most out of this fucking time. Like, if I get 100 years on this planet, I want to feel at the end of it. I was like, I was like, yep, I did that right. I, I had some fucking dessert. I ate some bread, not too much. I did enough running and exercise, stayed healthy. You know, I was a hell of a fucking husband. You know, I was, I, I hope to God, you know, as if I could be half as good a dad to my kids as my dad was to me, that would be, that would be incredible. Um, a good son like that. Yeah. That type of shit is, is where I'll define, define myself and hopefully get to a point where I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to keep myself busy and distracted and more at peace with all this great stuff that's happening. Mm. You know what I mean? When it comes to the business side of stuff, uh, it's interesting to think about what you're building here. And Tom Segura as well, in your mom's house, he's like a really fucking good example. He's brilliant, man. Yeah. It's a miniature production studio. Yeah. It's like, it's a genuine production studio. And given the fact that recently you already, what was new media streaming, 
took back control from something that already felt like new media. So like new, new media. Yeah, is, right. you know, Streaming is new. And then, and then yeah, there's yeah, another yeah, one from that, which yeah. is like, no, fuck you. This is mine now. Yeah, this yeah. is independent creation, direct to customer, direct to consumer. Yeah. What, what do you think? Because obviously you've got the inside of Hollywood thing. You were back over in the UK doing some acting, I think at some point, not yeah. too long yeah, ago. Yeah, a few movies this year, yeah. So if that's the case, you, you're straddling both sides, right? Yeah. You're seeing still the old world. Yeah. And you're also slap bang in the middle of the new world. Yeah, yeah. What what's your predictions for the next five to ten years? For so for for me, it's like I like the institutions that are. I don't want to like create a new streaming platform. That's not my goal. Like we'll use the the platforms that exist already. I, I want to focus on creating things, and whether they live on YouTube or they live on Netflix or Amazon or any of these places or movie theaters, that's that's awesome. But I just want to make sure I'm doing the most creating. We had to build out a business you know, apparatus in order to like execute the dreams. Cause we didn't have the opportunity on these traditional channels. So like I had to put out the put on the business hat that I didn't really necessarily want to, but, but I had to, because I want to find a way to solve problems and get what I want. But, um, I think in the future, at least for me, I really want to make a film. That's why I'm doing this acting stuff now. So I can like see what the process is, you know? And it's like, but I really want to make a film cause I'm really obsessed with story. And I think story is the, like the key to information, like the truest way that we digest and hold information. And Huberman said a really interesting, interesting thing. I was like, yo, tell me about story. Like what's going on with story. And he goes, uh, he goes here. I don't know what the fuck it is about stories, but, um, even when I quote people, I make them sound dumber. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it is. He's <laughs> a doctor. Right. But no, no. But, uh, he goes, uh, when somebody's telling a story, their heart rate, no, sorry. The people who are listening, their heart rates all change at the same time. And I was like, oh, there it is. And I was like, stories stories are like music. Like the reaction is, is music, right? Yeah. And it's like, you can capture attention. You can uh, convey information. Like the greatest politicians answer every question with a story. Correct. Right? You know, love them or hate them. Like Bill Clinton, when he answers a question, it's always, ah, oh, you know, one time in South Carolina, we were doing this and then climate change. And then, oh, that was awesome. I'll never forget that. Right. So it's like, one, how do we tell a story, you know, and, and, and really master the art of that? And two, how do we use the tools from a story to really execute the things that, that I feel, the guys feel, you know, the things that Important. we want to come across? Yeah. I thought when I first started the show, because I was part of like, the productivity space, at least in the very first instance. And I was pretty adamant that the way to make a good podcast was to like ruthlessly index information as succinctly as possible. And what I wanted was you, Andrew Huberman, me, host, me, dissect brain, take yeah. information, give it to audience. Yeah. And over time, I've realized that you're a vibe architect. Like your job is to architect a vibe yeah. for people. And it's not about ruthlessly getting information out there. Maybe they'll take some stuff away, but there is absolutely no chance that someone isn't going to be able to remember the short girl going around the corner of the supermarket and seeing like this like fucking little bitch with the tall guy in yeah. the front. Like, what does that tell you? Oh, well, maybe they'll remember intrasexual competition or some other stuff. But if you convey that through a story, yeah. it hits so much harder. And it 100%. took me so long yeah. to realize that yeah. because it's kind of scary it feels almost like a low ball effort or like i don't know like basic or i don't know i i just didn't have faith in stories yeah and it's only been within the last probably 18 months where i've gone oh we need to lean into this more it's biological 
Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know why anybody goes away with it. I've gone away with it as well. I'm like, what is the point that I'm trying to do? Even with jokes, you're like, here's premise and here's the punchline, execute it. It's like, how is this, how can we turn this into, you know, a story? I mean, there was this bit in my special, I do this abortion bit, and uh, it was basically three different bits that I turned into a story. And the most fascinating thing that uh, about it is that when I'm telling it, I believe that that happened. Like, it didn't happen like that. These are three individual things that I thought were funny. And then I blend them to story. And I can even convince myself that this happened. Like, as I'm telling it, I'm remembering being at a specific street and seeing a specific person that did not happen. If I can do that with me, imagine what a story can do with somebody else. Right? So it's like, yeah, I would love to tell. Yeah, I want to I want to make a film, man. I want to make a film. At least, yeah, maybe we'll start with one, but then others. And I think right now it's it's the time for a rated R film. And and to answer your initial question, like how we're going to straddle that, like new media and new new media, is I think that if you're going to make anything transformative, you have to do it independently. And then once you prove the product, it's worth it for those people who are worried about losing their jobs to take that chance. It's not initially, and that's why you'll never make a rated R comedy. It What's rated R? Uh, like um, rated R is like um, it goes PG thirteen rated. It goes G is like uh, cartoons. PG thirteen is you got to be thirteen to buy a ticket, and then rated R is you got to be I think like eighteen to buy a ticket to enter. So it's cool. adult content. Okay, right? I think the, the Hangover is probably rated R, like the the cool. the funnier comedies. And um, but there hasn't been a rated R comedy that was hilarious in probably two decades. It's kind of crazy to even think about. Maybe fifteen years. Like if if we if we literally think back, like what was that hilarious movie I saw recently? I if, like think about that. This is like that's crazy. So, and the reason is what I was telling you before, right? It's just like people are worried about losing their jobs, and it's not that Hollywood has necessarily this like huge liberal slant. It's just when you're worried about getting fired, you're liberal. When you're worried about getting fired, you are accepting. Right, you walk in your boss, and he's like fucking a dog. You're just like, love is love, bro. You know what I mean? Like, cause what if, God forbid, you said something about that, and then your boss was like, get the fuck out of here, you're fired. So everybody just leans into that direction. Now, granted, it's California; people are more liberal, etc. But it's more of like self-preservation than anything else. I genuinely feel that way. It's like, how can I not lose my fucking job? The way you don't lose your job is if we prove that this movie can make a quarter billion dollars without you. And then everybody else out there is going. Get, get, you need to get on that. Get on that fucking movie. Rory, Rory Sutherland, one of my friends, smartest behavioral economist in the world. He said people would much sooner fail with a safe strategy than succeed with a, a risky one. Especially and, if it's not their business. Oh, yeah. Because no one has ever. What was the fucking analogy? Nobody was ever fired for uh, using JP Morgan. Like, but people do get fired for using this brand new bank that's maybe amazing, but maybe not. It's like you will always take the safe option. 100%. Uh, speaking of dog fucking, yeah. I saw this fucking Florida man sexually abused dog wreaked havoc at nearby church and attempted to steal a car in a wild action-packed outing, police say. Around 4.30 p.m., police received a call about a man who had allegedly, allegedly caused quite a disturbance in Clearwater neighborhood. According to witnesses, 36-year-old Chad Mason of Orlando was taking a friend's golden doodle for a walk in an apartment complex that afternoon when he suddenly began having sex with the dog in full view of the public, including at least one child. When an adult confronted him about the act of bestiality, Ma uh, Mason ran off and took refuge in the local 
local Presbyterian church. He wreaked more havoc. Witnesses said he upended a nativity set, several potted plants causing approximately $400 worth of damage. After he left the church, Mason reportedly ran to a nearby neighborhood where he destroyed a mailbox and attempted to steal a car. Clearwater police uh, took him into custody. Mason bonded out of jail and is scheduled to appear in court sometime later this month. The current condition and whereabouts of the golden doodle have not been reported. You know what's really <laughs> Fucking Florida, man. That Florida is how we cure uh, racism. Elaborate. Because no matter what race someone is when they do something crazy in Florida, nobody thinks it's the race's fault. They're like, oh, that's Florida. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if, if that was any other race and they went like Asian man or whatever, all the racists that hate Asians would be like, see, that's how they act. Right. But with Florida, we just are prejudiced towards the whole state. So now we just see them all as equal. Like anybody can be equally crazy as long as they're from Florida. It's kind of beautiful. Florida is not really a part of America, right? It's like, You've got Alaska, Hawaii, and Florida, and no one really thinks about them as well, being... That's actually kind of interesting what you're saying with when you mention those three places, because they're all versions of America for people who aren't from there, except for Alaska. But like Hawaii is Asian people's version of America, and Miami specifically is Latin America's version of America. So it's not America, but it is. And Hawaii, when you're in there, you're like, yeah, it's America, kind of. But it's a little Asian about it. You know, like, you're not like, yeah, this is how home is, right? There's like a little part of where you're from that looks like that, but it's not the whole city, you know? And I think that's when, you know, when you were talking even earlier about your experience in Miami, when you look at the, the, when you look at like what made Miami and the culture that defined Miami, you're talking about a lot of people that are leaving impoverished places. And when you come from no money and get money, you want to show it off. Yeah. And oftentimes those places that they're coming from that are impoverished, a woman's value is her looks. So to seem the most valuable or rich, she's going to accentuate those as much I as possible. I saw my first can. BBL in Miami. It's like a fucking optical illusion. It's, it's like two basketballs on an upturned baseball bat. It's like yeah, pretty yeah. fucking awful. It it's like a, look good. It's yeah. like a bag of cats. Yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> bag of cats, like fucking yeah, yeah, slopping yeah, around yeah. all over the place. It's, it's not the best. But I understand like where they're coming from and why they're doing that. You went to Miami briefly. Yeah, I loved it. But didn't stay. No. Presumably. Too happy. Too happy. Yeah. What's that mean? Couldn't write any jokes. And I don't need to be miserable or depressed to write jokes, but there was nothing for me to push back against. Like when, when my version of Miami wasn't like the the douchey one that you saw. And I just saw that recently. I was there for our Basel and it was fucking miserable. Like mm. it was the worst aspects of Miami squeeze into one weekend. But what I was seeing, which is the things I love about Latin culture, which is like a love of family, a love of celebration and like partying. And it's like, what am I upset about here? Like, I love when the the girl with fucking purple armpit hair is complaining about some shit outside of a library. I like pushing back against that, right? In Miami, what am I pushing back against? They want to hang out with their family, love each other, dance, and listen to music? Like, what is annoying about that? Nothing. I'm mm. like, enjoy your fucking family. We need some family time. We need to enjoy life, regardless if we have money or we don't have money. And we need to have a little uh, party and celebration. So... It was, it was, uh, that was tricky, but everything else about life there was just phenomenal. You're just getting vitamin D every single fucking day. It was just, so yeah, there were, there are parts of Miami that I absolutely fucking love, man. Love, love. 
but I don't know if I could live there full time. Too enjoyable for this time in my life. Andrew Schultz, ladies and gentlemen, dude, I really appreciate the fuck out of you. Thank, Thank you, you so for having much, me. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you, man. Uh, where should people go and what can they expect from you soon? What have you got coming up next? Any cool shit? Yeah, you can check out the podcast. Uh, I got some movies coming out this year, so that'll be pretty cool if I don't get cut out of them. That'd be awesome. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to, the podcast is flagrant. I do brilliant idiots with Charlemagne. I got my stand-up specials on uh, YouTube right now. It's called Infamous. Go check that out. And then uh, some cool shit in the future uh, that I won't say exactly just right now, but yeah, keep in touch. Appreciate you, man. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you.